Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Yeah, see, it's Friday. We started an hour earlier, and you all forgot. <laughs> That's okay. Um, I, I vary my times because we have we have special guests. Uh, we have reporters that I want to get on the air. And so uh, uh, Fridays uh, were a little bit earlier. We used to be earlier for, for Amber Kemper, our constitution reporter. Uh, hopefully, we'll get her back. She's a busy college student. So, uh, you know, maybe in the summertime uh, or maybe over the, the, the crisp break, we'll see what happens. Um, but at 6.30, our time here, Central Time, and 7.30 Eastern, uh, Shirley Watchell, who's been uh, gone for a couple of weeks doing stuff, uh, is back. And so we haven't had a gun chat in a while. And so it'll be nice to, uh, to catch up uh, and see what's happening in gun world. You know, we know what's happening. The Marxists are trying to take them away, and the conservatives are, are, are letting them. <laughs> They're sheepishly doing that. See, see, the problem with the conservatives is they never make the argument that I make. That all gun that all all gun laws, uh, unless they're criminal laws, what you can't do in, in terms of use, all all gun control laws, you know, prior restraint, uh, those are categorically unconstitutional, because they touch the right to keep and bear, and and, and the, the right to keep and bear is the supreme law of the land. So anything that even impro- encroaches uh, on the right to keep and bear uh, is 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 unconstitutional. Okay, so the only laws that are constitutional regarding guns are ones that prevent illegal uses. And that's it. And if conservatives would just say that, we could end so much of this nonsense about what's going on because people would understand. Oh, okay. So the use of a firearm in bank robbery is illegal. The use of a firearm for target shooting is legal. Okay, that makes sense. That's statutory law. But you can't touch the right to keep and bear. In other words, uh, magazine restrictions, gun restrictions, confiscations, registrations, um, you name it. Uh, you know, nasty, ugly, what they call assault weapons, things like that. They can't touch any of that. Because that comes under keep and bear, and keep and bear uh, comes under the Second Amendment, which is supreme to any, any uh, statutory law. And once you make the distinction between legal and illegal uses of a firearm and statutory law, in other words, gun control, uh, and the supreme law of the land, in other words, the Second Amendment, it really becomes an easy argument. I mean, it's just that simple, just as I made it. Uh, and so anybody can do that. But that's not what I want to spend the time on this morning. We've got uh, Shirley joining us at the bottom of the hour. And then I've got it uh, about probably a half hour break. We'll, we'll see how much time Shirley has. Uh, and then at uh, 7.30 our time, uh, we're going to have uh, Derek Park call in. And apparently the market had about a 750-point drop yesterday. So that's, that's, that's yeah. I feel like, oh, no, what's going on? Well, we know what's going on. The government stole the White House and the whole administration. Um, they, they wanted to give us massive inflation so they could all get rich and transfer your money through devaluing our currency uh, to, to major banks and the Fed so they could make money. Uh, and the government can make money on inflation because your taxes go up. You know, and just it's, uh, that's how it works. They make money. So they, they're creating inflation so they can make money. You know, they're, they're changing energy to green so they can you know, please their leftist people. They're, they're doing everything. You know, and, and even green energy isn't green. Oil is green energy. And that'd be a great bumper sticker. Oil is energy. Why? Because it's organic. Because it's carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen. That's what makes up oil. That's what makes up coal. That's what makes up natural gas. What's more natural than carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen? How can that be anything but organic? You know, you got all these weird uh, things that are coming in, the, the solar and the wind that are, that are killing the environment. 
Maybe that's the idea. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, um, let's get to the monumental news. So the monumental news was yesterday when uh, President Donald Trump, the real president, the one who should be in the White House now, except that the government was stolen by the, both the Democrats and the Republicans, particularly Mike Pence, the traitor. Uh, if Donald Trump were there, we wouldn't have to worry about a free speech initiative because we'd have free speech. Uh, at least if they had our bill. <laughs> and that's what I want to talk about. So the one thing you're going to hear from this show that you're not going to hear anywhere, anywhere else in the world, you're, everywhere else is going to talk about, oh, isn't this wonderful? Look at uh, Donald Trump's initiative. And I'm going to report that, yeah, it's good, but it's not good enough. Our initiative is better. I mean, it just is. And it's better because every one of the things that Donald Trump proposed and his, his minions will propose and his lawyers will propose and the, uh, the Republican geldings will propose costs money, <laughs> costs gobs of money. My bill costs nothing. You know, the courts take care of it. You know, we're already paying for them. So the cost of the lawsuits, and that's going to be paid for by big tech when they lose. So my, you know, our bill costs no money. Uh, it, it doesn't require the hiring of a single government person. They're already there. <laughs> the court staff's already there you know, at, the, at the local, state, and national level. So, the, so I mean, I should say federal level, sorry. But the, the court staff is already there. They're already paid for it. So, so our bill doesn't cost any money. doesn't require hiring a single bureaucrat. You know, so our bill is better. <laughs> You know, and, and the other thing is it's short. You know, these other folks are proposing these long. In fact, I think uh, Congressman Greg Stubbe has a Section 230 bill, which is good, but it's too long. Our bill is like five lines. So our bill is shorter, easier to read, much easier to understand, and it's very simple. It's very simple because – well, I'll go over it in a bit as to why it's so simple. But it's, Well, I'll tell you right now. The reason it's so simple is because it takes out any law enforcement authority from big tech, which shouldn't have it anyway because they're not law enforcement. All right. They, they should have no power over anything that anybody posts. So what you do is you make them immune from anything that anybody posts. Make that blanket immunity. So uh, Donald Trump talks about it being conditional. Well, we'll just, I'll get to that when I get to his part of the uh, his his uh, initiative from yesterday. I have the text of it, so we'll, we'll go over that. Um, but uh, you know, he's got all these different separate things like that. No, big tech should be completely immune, absolutely immune. Wall of separation. You know, just like the imagined one between church and state, which doesn't exist. We're talking about a real wall of separation like the one that's supposed to be built at the southern border between Mexico and the United States, a real wall of separation should exist between, just like the liability, here's the good one, the vaccine liability, the one that shouldn't exist, right? The illegal one, <laughs> that where, where vaccine makers are completely separate from everything that they do, all the harm they do and things like that. Okay, they're separate from that. You know, there's a, there's a wall of separation. There's no liability for big, te- for, for big pharma for what they do, okay? Uh, and that's bad. Now, in the same way, actually making big tech have no immunity, that's a good thing, and I'll tell you why. Because that, that doesn't give them the excuse to touch it. You know, it's like when, you, when illegal aliens, you, you know, are trying to pay taxes. Well, you can't tax illegal aliens. They can't be here. You can't give them a claim to, to some sort of, you know, legitimate status here by having them pay taxes. That's ridiculous. Nobody should do that. Anyway, but they do. So that's another story. All right. So back to the original thing. So big tech has to be completely immune from anything that you post. Okay. You being the, the user. Okay. So users are responsible for the post. Big tech is not responsible for your post in any way. They are, they, there's no liability for what you do whatsoever. There's no liability for your account whatsoever. There's no liability for what people do with search engines whatsoever. So we've got that separation in there, right? And if you have that separation between big tech, the provider of interactive computer services, as they are called. So there's a separation between the provider of big tech and the user of big tech. That's all of us, right? So the users are responsible for what they do. Just the same thing with guns. You know, the law-abiding gun owner is not responsible for the criminal who robs a bank. That's crazy. That's insane. They didn't rob the bank. You know, the criminal did. So you go after the criminal. In the same way, if somebody abuses the Internet and breaks the law, 
You know, the most egregious, I think, that comes to mind right away is child pornography. If somebody does that, well, we have laws to get rid of them already. We have pornography laws, child pornography laws. We have obscenity laws. So big tech has no business enforcing anything on anybody's post because they're immune from it, right? So the most horrendous post in the world, you know, somebody saying that they're going to, you know, commit a mass, you know, uh, assassination of, of whoever, wherever, kind of thing like that, okay? Big tech's not responsible for that, even, you know, even to let it stand. Well, who is? Well, law enforcement is. In the same way if somebody took out a personal ad, you know, and then said, I'm going to do this. Well, I, I, maybe that's not a good example because newspapers are responsible for content because they're publishers. But Internet is not publishers. So you get to do what you want. And the reason is that we do that is not to protect the people from committing crimes online. It's to protect everybody else from being censored by big tech. See, you know, the, the, the due process protections are not to protect the criminal. Uh, they protect the innocent person. All right. So in other words, the, the reason we have laws that say we should have laws that say that big tech can't touch anything, they're immune from anything anybody posts, is not to protect big tech, it's to, it's to protect us from big tech doing anything to us because they say, well, we're responsible. Well, you're not responsible. You're not responsible for anything that anybody posts under my bill. Okay? So they're not responsible now. So we maintain that separation. The difference and the critical difference, the absolute critical, let me, I should, uh, this, this sounds like a gong ringing moment in the show here. So let me, let me scroll down here real quickly. There we go. The critical difference is... That big tech has that liability be conditional. Oh, what does that mean, Greg? Well, it's very simple. Conditional liability. So in other words, big tech is only immune from liability from what you post, from what you do with your account, and from what you do with search engine results as long as they do not touch in even the most minuscule way what you post, however egregious it is, what you do with your account, and what you do with the search engine results. In fact, they, they not only can they not touch what you do with the search engine results, they can't, touch, uh, they can't touch the search engine results. In other words, they have to leave the search engine results as the raw number of hits. Whatever, the, whatever gets the greatest number of hits, that's what goes at the top. Okay? Now, there are ads and things up top, but that's different. Those, those people are paying for that. We're not, that. This bill doesn't cover that. All right? And if, if people think it does, then, then we can always add a, an extra clause in there. This does not cover you know, sponsored uh, results on big tech. Because obviously, they're paying for it. They should go up front. All right? That's just basic commerce. All right. Anyway, so... If you have, if you say to big tech, you are immune, there is no liability for what anybody does with interactive computer services, their accounts, social media, and uh, results of big tech, uh, results of uh, uh, internet searches, okay? You're immune from that. And then you say to big tech, you will keep your immunity from that so long as you do not touch in even the most minuscule way, infringe upon anybody's postings, account or the search engine, result, search engine results with any kind of algorithms or arrangements or things like that. Um, that's it. <laughs> it's that simple. That's it. If you, make them, if you make their liability conditional, that's it. Then anybody can sue them. So if they touch your account, you sue them. If they, uh, if they touch a posting, you sue them. If they start arranging search results and put all the liberal ones up front, you sue them. And just like Big Tobacco was completely stopped by lawsuits, Big Tech will be completely stopped too, as will Big Pharma when we get vaccine product liability. I mean, it's really just that simple. So all these extra bills, all these extra bureaucrats, all these extra regulations and antitrust laws and all the other stuff they want to do, it's a bunch of nonsense. You don't need it. You just make five lines of law, as I did when I wrote this bill a year and a half ago, that says big tech is immune from what you post, what's on, what you do with your account, and what you do with the search engines, so long as they don't touch what you post, what you do with your account, and what you do with the search engine results. If they do, they lose their immunity, and they can be sued. 
That in itself is all the regulation you need. That's it. That's the whole thing. You know, Donald Trump could sue big tech under my law. He wouldn't need a single bureaucrat, antitrust, regulation, separate department, a bunch of endless new laws and things like that. It is just that simple. Vaccine liability is the same way. It's just that simple. Okay, I post this in a few places on my websites, uh, my, excuse me, my Facebook groups. I think it's in the, the election integrity, probably the Trump 2024 campaign, and on my page, maybe even the Action Radio group. But this comes from the thinking conservative. Difference of opinion leads to inquiry and inquiry to the truth. Yeah, that's for sure. That's what we do on our show. So this is, uh, that's Thomas Jefferson's quote, by the way. So the article says, President Donald J. Trump, it's interesting. His, his middle name is kind of boring. Donald John Trump it doesn't flow well. Anyway, Donald J. Trump, uh, his free speech policy initiative. So let's go over it. And so, well, actually, the, we got a little thing here, how to contact your elected officials. Oh, join us. I wonder if I should join them, the, the free, the, the, this, this particular website. It says, after the relations of the Twitter files, President Donald J. Trump explains his free speech policy initiative, which will be put in place within hours of his inauguration in 2024. We don't have to wait that long. Okay, we don't. You know, my bill's been written since 2021, so we could have had it a year and a half ago. But it wouldn't have gotten through the uh, the Democrat Congress, that's for sure. Uh, I doubt it'll get through the Gelding Congress because because of what I just said, <laughs> the Gelding Congress. You know, the Gelding House. Let's see if. Uh, oh, do you think Kevin McCarthy's going to race to this bill and say, "Oh, Greg, what a great idea"? That's right. We'll we'll stop big tech. He's probably getting paid off by big tech, just like they're being paid off by big pharma. Congress is paid off. Congress is bought and paid for. And what was it? Will Rogers said we have the best Congress money can buy. <laughs> you know, so if they're, if they're paid off by big pharma, you're not going to see vaccine liability by choice. We have to make them. You know, same thing here. If you, if you see uh, uh, you're not going to get big tech uh, liability, uh, conditional liability uh, unless we make them. Well, how do we make them? pressure and how do we pressure? You know, you get, this, you get the news, you share the story with your friends, you, you tell all the, the folks in Congress, you know, and you tell everybody else to tell everybody else to tell everybody else to get the story in the media, get it in the national debate, get it into the pollsters and get it to Congress. I mean, that's how you do it. <laughs> you know, that's how you make them with, with pressure, with good old fashioned lobbying, good old fashioned legal, you know, American activism. And you can protest in the streets, too, if you want. You know, you know in other words, uh, the free speech rally for free speech. <laughs> You know, we're rallying for free speech. Anyway, so here's the transcript of what he said yesterday. So I'll do my, I'll do his, uh, and then we'll probably get Shirley uh, in 15 minutes. And then what I'll do is I'll do mine, uh, my, uh, my bill. You'll see the difference. You'll see how much simpler mine is, uh, which makes it better. Simpler is better. You know, you don't need to, you know, this is why our bills aren't written by lawyers, because they'd be 10 times longer and, and about, you know, you know, 10 times less effective. <laughs> All right. Transcript. What Donald Trump said yesterday, if we don't have free speech, then we just don't have a free country. It's as simple as that. If this most fundamental right is allowed to perish, then the rest of our rights and liberties will topple, just like dominoes. One by one, they'll go down. That's why today I'm announcing my plan to shatter the left-wing censorship regime. Well, the Republicans are in there too. I got news for you. Sorry. They could, have sent, they could have done it. Anyway, left-wing censorship, censorship regime and to reclaim the right to free speech for all Americans. And well, we, Actually, we never lost our right to free speech. You don't. First Amendment is permanent. Okay? Rights are permanent. Rights are absolute. Rights uh, are always individual, and rights are always permanent. That's it. You know, whether they're listed in the Constitution or not, rights are permanent. God-given rights are permanent. Okay? They can't be taken away. They can't be created or destroyed. Well, they can be created. Uh, but they can't be destroyed. They can't be taken by government. That's just how it works. Anyway. He says, reclaim a very important word in this case because they've taken it away. In recent weeks, bombshell reports have confirmed that as soon as the group of deep state bureaucrats, Silicon Valley tyrants, left-wing activists, 
and depraved corporate news media have been conspiring to manipulate and silence the American people. This is really fascinating. Right? Let, me, uh, let me start the sentence again. I think I missed part of it. I want to keep it in context. He says, I'm announcing my plan to shatter the left-wing censorship regime and to reclaim the right to free speech for all Americans. And reclaim is a very important word in this case because they've taken it away. In recent weeks, bombshell reports have confirmed that as soon as the group of deep state bureaucrats, Silicon Valley tyrants, left-wing activists, and depraved corporate news media have been conspiring to manipulate and silence the American people, they have collaborated to suppress vital information on everything from elections to public health. Yeah, that's for sure. What if he's going to come around on uh, COVID and uh, uh, admit that uh, Dr. Fascist and the, the health Nazis took over and killed a million people, which, you know, which didn't have to die? That'd be very interesting if he, did, if he makes that mea culpa. Anyway, he says the censorship cartel, I'd love to know who wrote this. This is good, right? The censorship cartel must be dismantled and destroyed, and it must happen immediately, and here's my plan. Okay? Well, if you want to destroy the censorship cartel, pass my bill. Pass our bill here at Action Radio. You know, the, the, the section two, you know, 230, what, what I call it? It's got an official name. I always try for something official, just to, uh, here we go. Amendments to section 230, eliminating censorship from big tech. And I say version two, because the first one wasn't good enough. This one's much more effective and much simpler. Simple is effective. Brief. You know, what is it? Uh, didn't Shakespeare say uh, brevity is the source of all wit? Okay, so be brief. <laughs> that's, that's the secret. Uh, what is the name? W.R. White or E.B. Strunk. You know, one of those two, uh, the people that wrote The Elements of Style. What's the first rule of writing? Be brief. <laughs> Get to the point. Stop, stop, stop mincing words. Whatever. I guess mincing refers to putting meat in a grinder and mincing it, right? Stop mincing your words. Right, just say them. So that's what I try to do here in three hours. All right. Next paragraph. Trump says, first, within hours of my inauguration, I will sign an executive order banning any, any federal department or agency from colluding with any organization, business, or person to censor, limit, categorize, or impede the lawful speech of American citizens. This is a good thing. This is a really good thing. And this, this has nothing to do with my bill. This is his plan as, as an executive order. But he's got to have a... He's you know, legislation which to do that. So I'm not sure which legislation, which law allows him to write that executive order. That'd be something interesting to find out. But if he wants to do that, um, that's as that, I, I, you know, I don't even think that needs legislation because his power over the bureaucracy, uh, the fact that the bureaucrats work for him, you know, all the, um, the what do they call them? The, the cabinet, okay? The heads of the various agencies and all the people all the way through the agency. They all, if you're in a bureaucratic agency, you work for, for the president. That is simple as that. So the president can say, you know, you, you don't talk to these people. You can't do it. You can't make secret deals. So I, maybe it doesn't even need legislation. So again, let's think that through. But it, but it's um, that sounds like a decent executive order. So I, I got no problem. I love it. You know, it doesn't affect our bill though. That's an internal government uh, executive order. Second thing he says is I will then ban federal money from being used to label domestic speech as mis or disinformation, and I will begin the process of identifying and firing. This is the part I like. Identifying and firing every federal bureaucrat who has engaged in domestic censorship directly or indirectly, whether they are uh, the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Health and Human Services, the FBI, the DOG, DOJ, excuse me, no matter who they are. Well, that's really interesting. So Homeland, Homeland Security uh, would be, that would, that would include COVID stuff. That would include uh, a bunch of different stuff. Uh, it would include who knows what. I'm not sure, you know, but obviously they've engaged in it. All right, the next one, Department of Health and Human Services. Well, there's COVID right there. So everything that they lied about COVID, everything that they, uh, they lied about that they said was a lie that wasn't. All the blocking of information on hydroxychloroquine, remectin, 
that would all be taken care of. All those folks would be fired who lied about it. Okay. The FBI, well, they should all be fired anyway. <laughs> we don't need an FBI. Uh, I, I, show me something they've done this, that, that's good and, and right. The only thing the FBI does that I think uh, would be worth saving is the investigative part. Uh, the records, the DNA records, the FBI fingerprint records, the things like that, um, the things that the states, um, you know, have an easier time doing through criminal justice because the FBI has low resources. So that's what they do. They should become the Federal Bureau of Information, you know, of criminal information. So make them the Inf- Bureau of Information, not investigation. Take away the, all that and take all that. So they, they have no police powers. The, the, the federal, the, the Constitution does not delegate police powers uh, over the country to the federal government. There is no police power. There's no justification for an FBI. Uh, in the Constitution. Anyway, it says no matter who they are. So that's good. Then he says, second, I will order the Department of Justice to investigate all parties involved in the, the new online censorship regime. Well, regimes are like, you know, an installed government, tyrannical government, you know, this is, which is absolutely destructive and terrible, and to aggressively prosecute any and all crimes identified. Okay. These include possible violations of federal civil rights law, campaign finance laws, federal election law, securities law, and antitrust laws, the Hatch Act, and a host of other potential criminal, regulatory, and constitutional offenses. Good. Go after them. Okay. So that should be interesting. So the Department of Justice is going to have to investigate itself. Good. <laughs> That's going to be fun. Uh, so you need to fire a lot of people. Now, I would put uh, General uh, Mike Lynch. Is it Mike Lynch? What's his first name? General, no, Flynn. Mike Flynn. Put uh, General Mike Flynn. I keep getting confused with Mike Lindell. Anyway, put uh, General Mike Flynn uh, as Attorney General. Oh, wouldn't that be interesting? And uh, let's put Sidney Powell running the FBI. <laughs> See, you get the right people, you can do anything. All right. So the Department of Justice investigates all parties involved in new online censorship. So there you go. These include possible violations of federal civil rights law. Now, it's interesting he said federal civil rights law, because I believe that ideology should be put in federal civil right. Okay? You have the right to think. It's the most basic right we have, because the right to free speech comes from the right to think, because you can't have free speech that's different than other people speaking if you don't have the right to think about it first. So ideology should be a protected civil right, and there should be no laws that infringe on ideology. You can think of anything you want. Now, what you do with your ideology, that's different. <laughs> Those can come under criminal law. It's just like the Second Amendment. You have an absolute right to, to keep and bear firearms. Okay? How you use them, though, is, is statutory law, and that requires, uh, you know, that comes under legal and, and illegal uses. Same thing with this. Okay? So in other words, you can think your ideology, you can think whatever, you can think the most horrendous things, and you have a right to your ideology. Okay. Now, do you have a right to act on it and, and be destructive of other people? No. <laughs> and that's the distinction. The distinction between the right, uh, you protect the right, but you don't, uh, but the use, the actual use of these things does not, uh, comes under statutory law and that can be regulated. So it's pretty simple. He says, to assist in these efforts, I'm urging House Republicans to notice he's not talking to anybody else. No one else is going to do this, right? I am urging House Republicans to immediately send preservation letters. Uh, that's so that the debt is preserved. You know, and we have to do this right now. Uh, to the, the he says, it says to the Bible administration. That's a misprint. I think they meant Brandon administration, <laughs> or they're always called the Brandon insurrection. Yeah, they, they put Bible instead of Biden. <laughs> it's good. That's an interesting misprint. All right, anyway, so I'll call it the Brandon insurrection, uh, the Brandon campaign, and every Silicon Valley tech giant ordering them not to destroy evidence of censorship. Well, of course, they are going to just, they're already doing that. They're already destroying all their evidence of censorship. Uh, and we know it. I know I'm being censored. I've got the evidence right here. You know, you know I wish I'd uh, taken screenshots, you know, but I didn't think about it at the time because I didn't think I, I didn't know I was going to be censored. You know, but if I if I could show the thousands of views we used to have, thousands and thousands of uh, of views just on my Facebook page, and that didn't count all the people who were listening. And the show wasn't that good then. That's the funny part. This is how I know it was a lot better. 
that we'd have tons of people, um, you know, listening uh, if we simply uh, weren't censored. Because we got that. We have the most. We have the world's most unique show. I know unique is an infinitive. So so we have a we have a unique. We are unique in the world. So let's let's, let's use proper English and use the infinitive. We are unique in the world of having a citizen legislature attached to a radio show. Nobody else on the planet does this. We're it. So if you haven't shared our show, you know, shame on you. Do something. <laughs> share our show. Share our bills. This would be a good one to share. So I'm going to do um, a press conference after the show, and I'll be setting that out with Section 230 uh, with, uh, you know, people urging to get it to the president because when he sees our bill, if he ever sees our bill, I think he will seize upon our bill, you know, seize and says, seize, S-E-E-S, and then he will seize, S-E-I-Z-E, upon our bill and make that part of his program because we've got the best bill. And we just do. I'm not going to write anything that isn't the best bill. Anyway, so uh, if you want to help us out in our cause to do that, to be the, the far bigger show, the much bigger marketing show, the things that, uh, you know, that we can do to fight for your freedom, uh, share our show, share our bills. And uh, if you find folks that can contribute, uh, givesendgo.com uh, slash action radio. That would be huge for us. Givesendgo.com slash action radio. Get us a marketing budget. You know, get us a, a budget, more of an operating budget. Uh, the other one is paypal.com slash paypalme slash action radio. That's paypal.com slash paypalme slash action radio. Uh, and what that'll do, those are for the advertisers. So if you want to advertise on our show, if you've got some, you know, a nice big car dealership or a law firm or an insurance company uh, and uh, you want to advertise, that'd be great. You know, bigger companies, Glock, <laughs> you know, My Patriot Supply, Black Rifle Coffee, you know, the big folks, you know, uh, we'd like you folks to advertise too. So obviously the more money we have, the more we can do. And it's interesting, I was listening to One American News uh, this morning, a repeat from last night's show, where Kara McKinney was talking about the budget for the, 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 the GOP geldings. They spent over $300,000 last year on flowers. Okay, give me a flower budget. <laughs> you know, skip the flowers. Let's go for, uh, you know, let's, uh, let's help fund Action Radio. That would be such a huge difference, I can't tell you. Anyway, I got one more paragraph, and then I've got... Uh, uh, Shirley on the line here. It says, uh, well, this, we'll do, well, he's got a couple, well, let me actually just hold it up right here. Let me, uh, uh do some things here. I'm going to play something real quick and then I'll, uh, I'll bring Shirley on a quick break here. Be right back. Greg Penglis here for my book, the complete guide to flight instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Panklos Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. When one is faced with a crisis, you find your true character. How you react to such an emergency can determine the rest of your life. Two paths present themselves for you to choose. One leads to tragedy. The other leads to becoming a new person. Shirley Wattrell, a survivor of a dangerously abusive relationship, is that new person. She is the author of Heels to Holster. She is a firearms instructor 
motivational speaker, women's empowerment advocate, and a reporter for Action Radio. So now, here is the DC Project's Women and Guns with Shirley Wattrell. Hey, Shirley, missed you. We haven't had you for a couple of weeks. We, we haven't talked guns. You know, people are starting to ask me, where's your gun chat, Greg? We haven't heard anything about guns for a couple of weeks. What's going on? Welcome back. Good morning. Well, thank you. Thank you. Wow, we got a round of applause and everything. Well, yeah, you deserve it. So, so what you been doing? What's happening? What's, uh, what, what news of, of, of your doings? Then we can uh, find uh, just some report stuff. Wow, that's a whole lot. Okay. <laughs> we got time. We got an hour. Going I don't know how much time you have, but I have an hour <laughs> before Derek gets here. So feel free. <laughs> Elaborate. There, there's a lot going on, like a last-minute push um, for gun control. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you know that. And I'm finding the more I get involved in this, the more exhausting it is. Hmm. I mean, yesterday they had a House Judiciary hearing, and basically they were examining Evaldi. And we we all agree. One thing I can see, I, I, there's like four hours of it, and I've only my I skip through maybe an hour, almost two hours, because sometimes mm-hmm. my blood pressure just starts rising. <laughs> you, you don't throw things you at know, the, 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 the common the sense, yeah. the logic yeah. sometimes just seems to go out the window. But we, mm-hmm. they all, and we all agree, that was a total tragedy. And, but at the same time, the the way to reduce tragedies like that isn't attacking the law-abiding citizen that's a firearms owner. Mm-hmm. But it, it's hard to it's hard to to find that that agreement between the two parties that seems to be. And for those of you who don't know, DC Project is a, um, a nationwide group of women that are defending the Second Amendment. Our founder, Di Mueller, she was, uh, ret- she's a retired law enforcement officer and a pro-shooter. And um, she started this organization, and we've developed it to the point where I'm the – we have uh, state directors. I'm the Florida state director. And we go to D.C. and we meet with legislators and we, we, we try to be a visual as well as a voice for the Second Amendment. We are the women behind the Second Amendment. And yesterday, a couple of our – Di was actually there, Diana Mueller and Gabby Franco mm. were, were there at the hearing. And that's just one of the many things that we do. We, many Did times we've had uh, – did they testify at the hearing? Or no, just, uh, I, I don't observing? believe they testified. They were they were there. They weren't. Uh, I don't know how you get to testify, but they were there supporting the people that support the Second Amendment. Yeah. And um, ask somebody on the uh, on the committee hearing. That's how you do it. Was this Congress or where was this hearing exactly? House. Yeah. House yeah. So, so the way you get to testify, the best way is to know the chair. But uh, any contacts that you have on the committee itself, you talk to those folks. Uh, any of the representatives uh, can put you on the on the list. Now, I think the chair can, can uh, veto but, your yeah, choices, but it, that's had, how you do it. Yeah, we've, we've had um, women testify before, but this time I don't think anyone was invited to testify. Where they were there to okay. support. I think they had eight witnesses, and mm-hmm. two, uh, two, of the, two of the eight might have been pro-2A. Um, so there, there is a visual as support. Well, still Democrats in charge, uh, so to, yeah, <laughs> that makes sense. I haven't got through the whole thing, but yeah, women. We have had plenty of women testify. Um, I can't mm-hmm. name all of them. I think Gabby even testified, and Di testified, and so much, so many more. Um, but yeah, just listening to the the first 
let's say hours. Some some of it I skim through because it, it, you know, it's 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 a tragedy, and you, you hate hearing about it. But yet we want to do something, but neither side they're they're not listening to studies. Everybody has their own study that they're listening to. Um, so you need an emotional argument. Dev- you, you need an emotional argument. No, you need one. You need one that's uh, to counter well, the emotional argument of the left. It, it is an emotional argument just to start with. It's just a tragedy having all these children that, that are right. dead because mm-hmm. of some sick but they're not criminal. dead because of the but, Second but, Amendment. You know, and this is, this is the, the distinction it, that has to be made. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, and that, that's it. We have to put it on what the criminal themselves. There was a reason for this. How many mm-hmm. years have we had firearms and all of a sudden there's more and more mass killings? And this one study that um, they referred to was Dr. Peter Langman. And hmm. he did the psychology of school shooters and other um, mass killings, mass violence. And 50, uh, 56, he examined 56 school shooters and found that 82% of them came from dysfunctional families single parent, maybe the father was absent in the, at some point in their upbringing mm-hmm. and showing that it is a, it, it's not a firearms issue. It is a mental issue. And it's, 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 we need to put the, you know, wherever we need to define why all of a sudden we're getting to this point and how can we help these children that are up being brought up in single family home, single parent homes. Not that they're not doing a good job, but there's something apparently missing. Something that we need to address other than the Second Amendment. Well, you need to take the blame off the Second Amendment. I mean, I use the argument that, uh, you know, if people are robbing banks, you know, you, you don't stop that by arresting the depositors, you know, because there's a disconnect. And I made a very simple argument, and I don't know, because it's not emotional, it's, it's pretty factual, that, that all these gun control laws come under statutory law. The right to keep and bear uh, in the Second Amendment is absolute. The Constitution is the supreme law of the land. Any of these laws that are regulating or trying to regulate, you know, uh, guns, magazines, carry permits, registrations, background checks, all that stuff, uh, it comes under statutory law. So that's, that's underneath the, the Constitution. So therefore, you know, it, gun control is categorically unconstitutional because it touches the right to keep and bear arms, which is an absolute right, because all rights are absolute or they're not rights. The use of firearms is not covered by the Second Amendment. The use of firearms comes under, you know, criminal uses and legal uses. Obviously, a school shooting, a, 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 an assassination of children is an illegal use of firearms. It has nothing to do with the Second Amendment. It has nothing to do with law-abiding gun owners, and it has nothing to, to, to do with, uh, with our rights. This is an illegal action taken by criminals. And so this distinction has to be made in, in the clearest possible way, that the Second Amendment covers the right to keep and bear and is for the law-abiding you know, so that they, they can maintain their rights. All right? Once you decide to use a firearm, now you're statutory law. Now you're subordinate to the Constitution. Now you're under a whole different set of laws. And it just, if that separation can be made very simply, you know, it's a good basis. But if you want to com- combat the left, and I've got Pianca in line, I'll get to him in just a second. But if you want to combat the left, you need, a very, you need just as an emotional argument. What, you want to take away the guns from, from single mothers and their kids and make them uh, open to home invaders? Do you want them subject to, you know, uh, in fact, you can speak of this personally. 
you know, to, to uh, stalkers, to, to people that, uh, you know, are threatening them harm. Is that what you want to do? Is that what you're saying? You know, so in other words, because a criminal does something horrible, you want to uh, create even more victims? You know, I would, I would work on that in a way that, um, that, that makes sense, that you can be, uh, that you can say you're, all you're doing is with gun control is you're creating victims. You're, you're creating the very thing you allegedly are, are trying to reduce, but you're not going to do it this way. You know, so, so, so I, I totally, go ahead. I totally agree with you. But at the same time, when I'm listening uh-huh. to them and, hmm. and people on, on the other side that want to do nothing but control guns and they poo pooed the whole, whole, you know, findings of the psychologist. I'm like, you're not even, they don't, they don't, it's, it's a, the problem well, is people aren't listening. They don't want yeah. to listen because it goes against their narrative. And mm-hmm. one of the memes that I saw on Facebook, it was, uh, it went like this, reduce drunk driving by taking away cars from sober drivers. That's basically that was what they're trying to do. I wrote that two years ago. <laughs> is it making the rounds? I don't know. Someone, yes. someone posted yeah. it, and I went, that's exactly yeah. what they're doing. They're attacking. They want to yeah. take our guns away, and we did nothing wrong. We, you know. Yeah. Instead of prosecuting the criminals to their fullest mm-hmm. and trying to figure out the mentality, what's causing the mentality of people wanting to do this and thinking it's okay and dealing with that. But, you know, you can, if people don't want to hear it and they're not going to listen and, you know, and you have all those points you made were absolutely fantastic as DC project. Well, we you. support so many foundations like kids safe foundation it's children's safety. It's educating children on firearms. We support, you know, so many organizations that you support Action Radio. There's so many things that are being done, but yet yeah. they focus on, on just thinking that taking things away are going to solve the problem. And just like you said, gun control is opening up people so they can't defend themselves. And that's, you just brought that up, so that's going to put me into my opening for my Teal for 2A story. <laughs> oh, please do. Well, let, let me take a quick comment from Pianchi on that, and then we'll, we'll get to that. Do you have more than okay. half an hour today, or do you have to go at the top of the hour so I can judge how to um, do this? Pretty close to, the top, pretty close to the top of the hour. Okay, so let's get to a quick comment from Pianchi, and then we'll get to, uh, to the Teal for Tuesday report, because you segued so brilliantly just a second ago. Pianchi? Well, you find this, you find this battle from the wrong perspective. Why are you arguing with Congress? You got Sheila Jackson Lee, who's from the 18th District in Texas. She has problems with crime in her community. Why does she want to pass a national law that's going to affect me in Louisiana or in Missouri, where we have open carry and concealed carry without permit? These arguments should have been done with the state legislature, and the state legislature tells Sheila Jackson Lee, we are not going to do it because it's unconstitutional. You're not, you're fighting two battles. You first you fight the battle with the state legislature. Now you go into Congress where you got people coming from all over the place. I mean, from 50 states. It's not going to win like that. Your state legislature has to send a message to the federal government, to Congress. And you know, here's another thing too. That state legislature should be calling that congressperson, that that committee that's talking against guns. If he's coming from a state that's pro-Second Amendment, then the state legislature need to call his butt or her butt back to the carpet and give them a riot act and say, look, you either straighten out or we're getting rid of you. Let's stop playing with this. That's a good point. 
Yeah, well said. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you can do both, too. I mean, I think Pianchi is absolutely right. But uh, it, because you have state organizations, you can work with the state of Florida right here, you know, and find the, the, well, the, the good state representatives. That's, yeah. that's how the development of state directors came about. So mm-hmm. basically what happens is on a national level, the state directors, we meet once a year in D.C. and meet with our legislators. So on mm-hmm. the state level, we're going to be doing that same thing. Um, next year, we'll be going to Tallahassee with all the delegates from Florida, meeting with our representatives and putting a face in and defending our Second Amendment and talking about you know, our freedoms there. So yeah. we're doing it both at the state and national level. Right. Yeah, we have a really good representative. Oh, yeah. No, no. There's a really good representative, uh, not in my district. She's the next district over uh, in, in Pensacola, Michelle Saltzman, um, who's, um, you know, just, just fabulous on, on Second Amendment issues and things like that. And she'd be really helpful to you. So I don't know if you're in contact, but I can get you guys connected. And I think uh, would work well on this at the state level. Yeah, that that would be awesome. And if you have, um, just to let you know, Oh, I'll, I'll just I would message you. You know, you can give okay. me some yeah, information. We'll, we'll yeah. Her uh-huh. as well as anybody else that we yep. could get. I'll share it directly with her, and then you guys can get in touch. A, and, yep. If you have a local address for the district that she's or the yeah mm-hmm. district that she's in, that I don't great. know what the district number is, but uh, it's the next one over. So it's going to be uh, Pensacola. It's like one of two Pensacola state <laughs> uh, you know, assembly districts. Next one over. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm here in Milton, so we're in, in Santa Rosa County. She's in Escambia County. Okay. Oh, close enough. Um, yep. Another. Okay. Another thing. Well, well, don't don't bring up a new issue. I want to I want to get to because uh, Shirley no, only has limited ahead. time. Go ahead. All right. Go ahead, Peggy. Yeah. All right. Another thing. It is not my responsibility because someone comes from a dysfunctional family. My kids aren't dysfunctional. So that type of argument, that type of excuse, that type of uh, they're trying to use it as a mock. That the Second Amendment is the Second Amendment. These state legislatures should go to Congress or send to a Sheila Jackson Lee and say, look, you're trying to deny the citizens of the state of Louisiana, Missouri, Florida, their constitutional Second Amendment protection. We are not going to do it. You pass the act, we will nullify it. You have to start playing the game like they play. That's actually a good idea. Are you in contact with Ashley Moody, our attorney general here? Really? What was that? Yeah. Are you in contact with uh, our attorney general in Florida, Ashley Moody? Pianchi makes a good point. You know, if our attorney general starts testifying in these committees and saying, we're not going to enforce this, you can't do it. It's, a, it's against the Second Amendment. That might be a huge help. Yeah, no, I am not. Well, I'm, I'm not either. So I can't connect you with that. Okay. Michelle can. <laughs> you know, so, so we, yeah, so we, yeah, everything, connections keep, keep going. Um, so that's, uh, you know, we do this, we do. Yeah, that's, yeah, interesting. Okay. Um, so anyway, back to, to Teal for Tuesday. What you got? Okay. So, so every week I post a story and we always hear about how, um, firearms take lives, but firearms do save lives. They save lives more than, than it, they talk about more than we can even count because there's not always a report filed by any, uh, law enforcement officer. So DC Project, we have a hashtag Teal for 2A. And so on Tuesday, I always post some kind of story of how a firearm was used to save a life. And this one takes place in Chicago. And this woman shoots an attempted carjacker in the head 
before being shot by his accomplice herself. Mm-hmm. A woman who has a concealed carry license took on four armed men who tried to carjack her early Wednesday morning in Camelot Heights neighborhood. The police said a 23-year-old woman was sitting in her car shortly after 2 a.m. near 89th Street and Kenwood Avenue when four men got out of a black sedan and one of them tried to open her door while flashing a gun. The woman who has a concealed carry license shot the man in the head, then ran off from her car. Another of the would-be carjackers shot the woman in the left arm. The woman was taken to Advocate Trinity Hospital in fair condition. The man she shot was taken to the University of Chicago Medical Center in critical condition. The other three attackers got away. A short time after that attack, a man was found shot and killed inside a stolen Kia about 2.5 miles away in Chatham. Uh, The police said around 2.15 a.m., an unidentified man was found in the passenger seat of a stolen black Kia Rio near 80th Street and King Drive with gunshot wound to the head. Uh, The man was taken to the University of Chicago Medical Center where he was pronounced dead. The police could not immediately confirm that the two cases were connected. So it was still under investigation. This happened on November 23rd. Um, Yeah, uh, Hmm. that that just shows you, you know, you got to be your own first responder. The police aren't always there when when you need them, as we know in so many stories. Um, so she took on four people. <laughs> this is this is one woman, you know, with a concealed carry permit and her firearm takes on four potential murderers, you know, certainly carjackers. I mean, that's you know, that's that's deadly force right there if they're yanking you out of your car. Um, and this isn't celebrated. This isn't you know. I mean, this should be all over the news. I don't know if we need like a Second Amendment news bureau or something or some major you know force to announce these things. But uh, you know, where where's Newsmax, Fox, and One American News? You know, where are they on these stories? They should do a, a huge segment on this every week. What we really need to do is get them into more of the mainstream stuff. And I'm not sure how to do that because we have two sets of news in this country. We've got liberal news and we've got conservative news. We've got news on individual rights and we've got news on Marxist depression. The the, the difference in the news. You you know, we already know these stories, and we know it's true, but we need to get to, to the, the middle. We need the independent group in the middle. So if you have the conservatives and the patriots and then the independents, now you've got two-thirds of the country. And we can outvote the liberals you know, and the Marxists. But we need to get that middle. I, uh, we need to get this into enough mainstream news to do it. Yeah, Pianchi, what do you think? I post the six medias, Facebook, Twitter, Gal, Parler, Truth, and Trump's uh, one. And I'll tell you something yeah. else. Mm-hmm. If you got concealed carry, the hell with that. When you walk to your car, have that pistol in your hand. This quick draw stuff has got to go. Have it in your hand ready to go if time is needed. It'd be nice. Well, actually, even concealed, you could have your hand on your gun, you know, under your concealed garment, whatever that might be. And if it's, if it's not accessible that fast, then that's a problem, too. Um, but this is Illinois, right? So this is, this is not in the city of Chicago. We're talking, where, where is this located? Because Illinois, I think, has, do they have open carry? Or, no, they don't. They must have just concealed carry in Illinois. Do you know what the rules are there? The unconstitutional I ones? Hmm. I do not. Okay. Illinois has some archaic laws. But when that criminal comes to you, he's got the gun out where you can see it. Now, all of a sudden, you got to freeze and think how you're going to pull yours out before you get shot. No, hell no. Have your gun out 
ready to go when you walk to your car, step outside of your house, or whenever. Yeah, you might. You know, the the problem is, and here's here's something that's a fascinating. Uh, Pianki race is a really um, good issue, uh, Shirley. I'm not sure how to deal with this because more people are afraid of of breaking a gun law than they are of a, of a criminal. In other words, they'd be more afraid of brandishing. You know, if you're being, and the police would do that too. They would arrest you if you walk out. This is one of the dangerous Pianki. If you walk out, you know, with a gun in your hand in public view. You know, you might be accused of brandishing and someone might call the police on you, whereas if a police officer walked around with a gun out, say, oh, well, it's just that's the government. It's OK. So there's a perception problem. This is why we talk about uh, uh, open carry being so important. But if you can have your hand on your gun under your shirt or, or vest or jacket or wherever it might be, uh, the, the, the time it would take to draw it, because the criminal is not expecting people to carry guns. Or are they? I'm not sure what the, what the current stats on that are. Well, that's why but, you should uh, wear that gun on your hip. See, here we yeah. go. And, you know, I understand what you're saying, but why uh-huh. do the good people have to always come up with some more righteous than thou alibi? No. Because they're bad laws. Either wear the gun on your hip. Women yeah. wear a derringer in your bra and have a hat pin in your hair. I mean, that's what it requires nowadays. I don't know if we still use half pins much, but it's an interesting, it's an interesting thought. Or have something. Or what? I, you know, one of the biggest problems, and Shirley and I have talked about this, is that most people are right-handed. You know, if you, in, in America, because we drive on the, on the left side of the car, you know, if you have a, a gun on your right side, it's pressed up against your seatbelt. It's not accessible to you. You need a cross draw or a left hold, shoulder holster. You need two guns, or to be able to carry like a cross draw or some kind of holster they got on your, the on your left side. Apparatuses that mount to the dash, very very handsome at that. Yeah. That's true, or those as well. Yeah. Shirley? But no, what I'm saying yeah, is no, this. No. We all, we've seen the same thing with COVID. We had to mm-hmm. try to explain, educate, and teach people about the immune system of your body. No, right. we don't have time for that. If people want to be educated, they want to come up dumb, leave them alone. If you try to continue wallowing around with these dumb people, these idiot <laughs> people, you're going to become dumb and idiot yourself. Leave them alone. Just protect yourself. Yeah, no, Jackie's got another good point too. About really, I'm sorry, Shirley, go ahead. Y'all made good points, and I, I want to impress upon um, what you're all saying because this woman is in a car, mm-hmm. and you know, car That's like your home. I mean, isn't your car your home legally? Uh, isn't it the same the same status? Or no? Does anybody know that? I don't think we've asked that question before. One lady got killed know, with her own gun at the house. And didn't she, uh, did we hear that story? Well, you always hear those stories. You'll always hear stories of people being killed with their own gun because it fits the narrative. But what that means is that she the, either wasn't trained uh, the, properly or didn't the have the right mindset. Broke in and took, yeah. The criminal broke in and got her gun and killed her with it. Yeah. So, Shirley, what, what what would cause that? Is it a failure to act? Is it a, a just a wrong mindset? Um, is it or what? Or just I mean, we don't know the circumstances. Maybe she was just caught and uh, the criminal, you know, surprised her so fast. But what would cause people um, not to use their firearm? Uh, do you train for that? You know, train for that freezing moment. I, you know, I, the I time when know. you need it. I don't it? know what causes people not to use their firearm. But I want to okay. make a point that this woman right here. Mm-hmm. Under a stressful situation, sitting in her car, mm-hmm. four, four men coming to her, one brandishing a firearm, and she has the wherewithal to to defend herself. Mm-hmm. And, and you're right that that needs to be, that's important for people to understand. This this is one strong woman. 
You know, she she wanted to live and she was going to make sure she lived. And that brings up another thing that I started as, as I hear so much about carjacking. So what, what's the first thing you do when you get in your car? Put your seatbelt on. Put your seatbelt on? Okay, that's one of them. Well, my point is that your first thing you should do is hit the lock button. Most cars don't lock until you go on X number of miles an hour. Oh. So if you're getting into your car, the, the, all the doors are unlocked possibly, or at least the driver's side. So the right. first thing you do, you close the door and hit the lock button. And I've started hmm. doing that. Because oh, good point. Because carjacking, that, yeah, that buys you time. I mean, they tried to pull her out of her car, so I think that said in there somewhere. So uh, I'm assuming maybe she had her car door locked and they couldn't get it open. But that buys you time. It buys you time to, if your firearm is located in the car, gives you time to get your firearm out if it's on your body. Um, but at, at 2 a.m., you know, she's probably, maybe she's getting off work or something. So it's always good to, to be aware of your surroundings. And if you're concealed carrying, have that firearm handy to get to. Like like you said, you could have it uh, in on you, like your hand on it, um, brandishing it will probably get you arrested for some reason. <laughs> Gun owners are law-abiding, so they don't want to break the law. That's just the way we're, 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 we are. Criminals, mm-hmm. they have no problem with it, and they get away yep. with it. So, you know, even if you're concealed carrying and you're in a purse, you can also already have your hand in the section on the holster, on the gun in the holster in your purse. And in many cases, if need be, you could actually shoot right from the purse. So there, there's different well, things that you can, you can do to um, be prepared. Let's put it that mm. way. What's the, but, um, yeah. is, is, what's the science on shooting through your window? If, if, someone, if a carjacker is at your door, I mean, windows are shut. They have the shatter glass, so, I mean, which is made for, you know, to save your body in a collision. But uh, are there any stats on, on do people actually shoot through the window or do they have to open the door or how does, what's the, uh, you know, what's the, what's the recommended procedure at that time? Or is there one? I don't know if there's a recommended procedure, but if someone's waving their gun at me through my window, I'm going to shoot through the window. I knew, I know it's going to be distorted on where it hits, where you're aiming and where it hits. But mm-hmm. if they're that close, it's kind of a point and shoot thing. Um, okay. Yeah. yeah. I was just curious. I don't know. Actually, actually, I'll look up a YouTube video. Let him Shoot him, get out the car, let him get in, and shoot him in the head. You know how many police officers were shot by the Black Panthers and Black Liberation Party in three decades? 35 shot and killed. Nobody talks about that. Hmm. Well, we had the Dallas police assassinations during... you know, the, the previous, uh, I think during, was during Obama administration, we had a bunch of police officers killed. They were encouraged. Criminals were encouraged to do that. Anyway. So really what I'm saying is this. These arguments I hear, these Congress people putting on these committees, they nothing but a show. That's all they are. It's just like this. Why do you take the time to vote state and local? Then you got to see what the federal government do. Until we start telling the federal government, like you talked about earlier, Greg, their mm-hmm. policing power, you can nullify a congressional act, you a state. You can say merely, we are not going to do it. We should get some of the folks, maybe we can get Diana in here or some of the, the, the Washington office uh, of D.C. projects, Shirley, and let's, let's make that same argument to them and see what they say. 
It's a good argument. Yeah, definitely. Definitely a good okay. argument. Um, but, you know, Bianchi says let him get in the car first. She did it. She shot him in the head before he even got in the car. <laughs> you know, I don't know how she would. She is. She must be well trained, is all I can say. We're just going to pinpoint that she's, well, she's doing a good job of being her own first responder. Yeah, why um, isn't she? You know, this is someone she, that should be invited to. You know, when she recovers to to any of the Second Amendment conventions or, or any of the the events. I mean, she should be a public speaker and say, "Look, and she took on four people. She took on four criminals. Uh, that's gutsy." Yeah, and there's a, <laughs> you know, and look at all the other people that defended themselves with and saved their lives with a firearm. Mm-hmm. If there was. And I'm going to guess most times these people don't want any any recognition. Yeah. You know, they're not doing it for the recognition. They're doing it their lives. Where lots of times you'll find, as we know, criminals do it for the recognition, for that that moment of um, being in the news. So, but that would be great if we could get uh, more people that would want to testify and to explain why they did it. You know why they why they want to defend their lives. Not that you'd have to explain that; it's pretty straightforward because you want to live. But yeah, that that would that would be great if if we could get a, a group together or somehow people that have used a firearm to save their lives. And because it's it's got to be traumatic. I mean, you've taken a life. You, you didn't want to break the law that they forced you into doing it. So mentally and emotionally, I can't imagine what it takes to go through something like that. That'd be a fascinating conference if we could get people together in one place that have defended themselves with a firearm, whether or not they resulted in a loss of life, but I'm sure in a lot of cases it would. But uh, I think the support for them and just the idea of, of that kind of an event, if a DC project could sponsor that, you know, this would be, you want to talk about an emotional argument. I mean, we, that, that was where we started our whole conversation today. What, what kind of emotional arguments can we bring to counter the left's emotional arguments? Because we've got the high ground when it comes to logic. We're right. Second Amendment's absolute. The absolute right to keep and bear is absolute. The use of firearms is statutory law, subordinate to the right to uh, keep and bear uh, because there are legal and illegal uses. And that's it. That's, that's the logical argument. All right? It's a good argument. It's absolutely right. And it works. But we need more than that. We need the emotional argument to support it. And that's the part that's uh, to get to, to the, the middle, you know, the middle ground people. You know, in the States and in, you know, uh, Pianchi's right about the federal government. The federal government does what the federal government does. I mean, the fact that they, they still have an ATF uh, is crazy. The fact that oh, the ATF, well, let me ask you this before we go. In fact, I just thought of this now. I reported on this earlier in the week that the FBI had these forms that people were signing to, to permanently remove their Second Amendment rights. You can't do that. The FBI does not control your rights. You know, these are God-given birthrights. You know, the government can't touch yeah, the I point saw, of having it in the Constitution. Yeah, go ahead. I saw that, and I, and I was like, well, yeah, that, that's true, number one there. Number two, why would anybody do that? Well, what are they getting in return? That's a good question. The other than, huh? No, Any FBI yeah. agent does that, they need to be fired. Simple. They need to be fired. And like I said before, the state legislature show up in Washington, D.C., and meet with the Congress people from the state of Florida and the state of Missouri, and they assemble them in a room and tell them, if you so vote for, or even attend a committee meeting, talking about taking away the Second Amendment rights of our state citizens, you gone. 
we got to stop playing with this. We just play with it, going around in circles, going and begging. You go through the trouble of voting for a legislator. Then you got to vote for a congressperson. Then you got to sit back and see what happens. Hell no. Well, that's why I created Action Radio, so we didn't sit back and see what happened. So that, you know, like I say, you can't just give your consent on Election Day. We have to be able to give our consent to be governed every day. But the, but the, the gap is between the laws that we write here, the bills that we write, and getting them uh, into the legislatures and getting them, uh, getting them enacted. So there's, that's, that's my solution. But Pianchi's right you know, about, uh, about the state legislatures. So we need nullification. We need juries to, juries to be educated. There's many ways we can approach this. Juries have to be educated that they can nullify a law. If someone's convicted of violating a gun control law that the, where the law itself is unconstitutional, well, that, then, then they're not guilty of anything. They haven't done anything wrong. Because you can't be guilty of a law that itself is unconstitutional. So we can make that argument. And that's a good point. Is there a jury association? Any place yeah. in the country? It's, it's called Future, the Fully Informed Jury Association. They send out the message that yep. we instruct in our jurors that you do not go along with an unconstitutional law that's going mm-hmm. against your Second Amendment gun rights. You don't do it, and we're not going to do it. Yeah. I played that. That's uh, a message. Yeah, we had, uh, I, I played my WBY interview. It's one of the classics. You can look it up. Um, and any of our broadcast pages, there's a search window at the top. Just just type in Action Radio, comma, um, Fija, F-I-J-A, uh, or, or Roger Roots, who, who was the uh, attorney then. Um, for He was with Fija. And I'm not sure if he's with them now. He's doing all kinds of other work. He's defended the Bundys. And uh, let's see if we can get him in, involved in our, in our Brunson case before the Supreme Court. That's going to be interesting, too. Um, but uh, that's, that's a good way to do it, is to educate jurors. Does D.C. Project have a jury education program? Because that would be a, a fabulous thing to do. Maybe start it at the, at the Florida level, uh, surely, and then advance that up to the other states or the national organization. But that's a huge way to overturn unconstitutional laws, is to educate juries. No, we don't, we don't have anything like that. But I think it should go back even further. I think they need to start doing the education in the schools again. They take, mm-hmm. They've taken out the education of the government and how the government works. And about history, the true history, I think they've taken it out of the schools. And it needs to get back into the schools so that as these children are raised, they understand how the government works and not just being told this is how it works without any explanation or without any, you know, anyone educating them any different, you know. I think that it all goes back to the schools. We need to educate our children again like we used to be. We put prayer back in the schools, the Pledge of Allegiance, and put history back in the schools and government. And how to balance it. Not too many people, I understand, use a checkbook, but understanding budget, finances like that. They don't even teach any of that. And I remember we had economics in high school, and we learned how Mm -hmm. to balance your checkbook, and you would learn budget. and And then you learned all this stuff. So... All the fundamental things are gone. I think maybe it's because of all the electronics. They don't have to even think. But anyway, that's that's just my opinion. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But and I think we need to do all of them. them. We need to do all of them. We need to change the education, homeschool. We need to have full education choice. We need to have, um, as Pianchi saying, the state legislators have to get involved and just tell the federal government no. You know, we need a jury education program. I mean, if you pair it with FIJA, Fully informed jury association. There's probably a chapter in Florida. You know, we're a big enough state. All these things need to be done. You know, and and then again to find the emotional arguments that, that make the difference. All that stuff can be done. Yeah, and your Florida legislatures can tell your Florida Congress people that 
that's what they are not supposed to do. Just like in Georgia, Warnack, he got congratulated by the Planned Parenthood for winning his election. Okay. Georgia has more anti, more pro-abortion laws, laws in the state that regulate that procedure. Not saying that a woman in the cases when it's needed, but they have laws. Well, the Georgia legislature should tell Warmack, if you so much as dare vote against our responsibility to control that activity in a decent way, we're going to get rid of you. Because that's where he comes from. He comes from the state. The state legislature has the power to call those federal representatives back to the carpet and read them the riot act. That's the way it works. See, I want to know from uh, – got to find out where the recall procedures are because I think states might be different as to how that works. But that would be something that uh, – I know they can replace. The governor can replace. But I don't know if they can actually pull people out, duly elected uh, – uh, congressional folks. Let me go to uh, CalMed. Uh, well, Shirley, do you have another minute or two, or do you have to go? Let's do that first of all. Shirley? Hello, hello. Yeah, I have Pancake. a minute. Hit the, hit the unmute button. <laughs> yeah, <I laughs> well, see, every time that happens, I think that I'm not broadcasting. And I apologize to CalMed, who, you know, I'll, I'll look at for, for weeks you know, for, for uh, messages on, on our live chat and nothing happens. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I get like 20 messages that I, I just discovered here. So, um, but I have another caller, so I want to bring him on too on this, uh, on this discussion. Um, Shirley, do you, have, do you have to go or do you got a couple minutes? I, I just have a couple minutes and I do have to go. Okay, let's get Cal Man on, who's uh, contributed greatly to our live chat, which you all can read. Uh, in the meantime, how are you doing? Welcome back to the show. Yeah, a long time no see. I've just been busy as of late. Okay, so what's, uh, um, what's your opinion on this? You've got a bunch in. of uh, things here in your comments, so I'll just let you summarize. and Or just ask Sheila like, one question. It's probably all, all she's got time for. And then you can start after that. So, one thing that i like to point out is um, the focus on metropolitan and big city areas, okay, and ignoring the consensus of the rural areas when it comes to gun control. Do you think for the most part, it's an ulterior agenda to focus on those population densities just to get the majority of people without guns. So then it's just the rural people that have guns. Therefore, you can pinpoint and focus on those people. Hmm. Shirley, what do you think? Yeah, I, I, think, I think they're using the big cities because there's more violence out there. And then they, if they take, if they get more gun control, there's more violence on top of that because people can't defend themselves, and the only people with firearms are the criminals. Um, but I think, um, yeah, there there is a point and a reason for them to to use statistics in those cities, and also because in the cities you have a lot more gang um, killings. So that'll that'll make the numbers into something that they want to show more than if they take the whole population as a whole so yeah there's a focus i think on the cities for that for that purpose for their agenda Pianchi, what do you think well sheila jackson lee has a bill that she wants to apply to the nation that controls how the way you display your gun collection at the house 
And like I said, she's from the 18th Congressional District in Texas. She has no business worrying about what goes on in my house in Missouri or wherever else I am. And that's the audacity that these people have when they get to that level. And you got to cut them down at the knees. Yeah. See, I think uh, to answer um, Calmat's question, that uh, it's the cities are Democrat controlled. You know, that's where the, that's where the most crime is, and they have the most crime because they have the most gun control. You know, and that's just their, that's just the mentality. You know, and they think it, it's Not like if, uh, you know, if if alcohol makes you drunk, then, then, then the cure is to give you more alcohol. You know, it's and, and then you'll be fine. You know, it's like gun control is causing the crime, so let's have more gun control, and that's that's not going to cure it. That's going to increase. It's going to make even more crime. Great avenue for profit generation for gun smugglers. But the rural designation is very important. I mean, you're absolutely right because they're more conservatives. Look at California, for example. All right, most of the liberals are on the have the beachfront property, and they live in Sacramento, San Francisco, Los Angeles, and San Diego. And there are enough leftists to over. Uh, balance uh, all the folks from from Redding, Fresno, you know, Bakersfield, all the the middle of the country in the San Joaquin Valley, the Farm Belt, uh, and like Placerville in the in the, the foothills and Truckee in the Sierras. There's a lot more, you know, area of California that's conservative, but the leftists are all concentrated in the gun control cities. So all the problems in California are coming out of you know basically four places: Sacramento, San Francisco, um, you know, Los Angeles, and San Diego. And that's so the the, the, the always, problems are in the I cities. I always like to yeah. sit there and pinpoint too is uh-huh. these high metropolitan, you know, big city areas, high population with also high crime rates, et cetera. They they would like to see the person who commits a crime. They would like to see more gun control because that takes out of the component that the person that I'm robbing has a gun. See what I'm getting in here? Yeah, well, I mean, we shouldn't call it gun control. We should call it crime incentive. Shirley, what's a good for this? This, this, this is where we can, we can create a new term. What's a really good term for to, to reverse the, the emotional thing of gun control, which is one of the most effective terms I've ever heard? We're still using it. We shouldn't. We should call it uh, crime incentive laws or, or victimization you know, increase. We need, we need a good term for that. Shirley, what do you think? Yeah, Shirley, work a, on this. Those, those, those sound like good ones. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's get your contact stuff because I know you're going to have to go, and then uh, then uh, we can we can talk, talk and you can just catch the podcast later uh, about further discussion. This is a really important issue, and then I'll get to. I've got an hour after uh, Derek Park. I'll get back to uh, Trump's free speech initiative. So let's get your contact stuff. Stick around as long as you can, but I know you're going to have to go soon. So uh, let's hear you, your yeah. book, DC Project, anything you want. Okay. Yeah. If you're interested in supporting the DC Project whether it be one of you ladies out there that would like to join us on our mission to preserve the Second Amendment, you can go to dcproject.info. We are a grassroots organization, so if you'd like to make a donation to support us so that we can go to D.C. and be a presence in any type of events or hearings that are going on, you can do that in dcproject.info. Also, I am the author of a book called Heels to Holster. I am a survivor of domestic violence. And... um, Practicing my Second Amendment has given me my life back. So if you'd like to hear about that, you can go to Amazon and purchase Heels to Holster. And if you need to contact me, we oh, one other thing. I do have an event coming up, a fundraiser Ooh. for D.C. Project. If you Where's are that? interested in clay, sporting clay shooting in Naples at um, Gulf Coast Clays on March 11th, 
We are looking for people to participate as well as sponsors. And the cool thing is if you come in from out of town, there is actually a hotel right across the street from the, from the range. So it's mm. taken care of right there. That's March 11th. And if you have any questions, you can email me at DCPFL and then the word state director at gmail.com. And this is Shirley Watcher reporting for Action Radio, and have an awesome weekend. Well, that's it. That's, you're getting so good at this. I love it. Uh, great contact information. Uh, have you sent your book to um, perhaps uh, Governor DeSantis, uh, maybe members of the prominent members of the Florida legislature, our congressional de- uh, delegations, anybody on uh, House Judiciary, things like that? Have you sent them copies? No, I have not. And you have to be careful on different rules on things that you can give and send to different elected officials. And okay. sometimes if I'm at an event, I will, you know, just give them, hey, here you go, or give it to his wife or her wife. or Yeah, his wife. Yeah. I've done that before to give it to his wife. Her wife. <laughs> We're so politically correct here sometimes. It's funny. Yeah, no, yeah I, that yeah. didn't mean I just happened to come out. I know. Like, Whoa. It's, not it's live radio. Um, it happens. So, Don't worry. We, yeah. I do it all the time. Yeah. No, but if I'm in person, you know, I have never haven't mailed them out. I'd have to check on that and to see what the, the you know, if that was something that was permissible or if it should be done. I'm just so curious. Each state has their own their yeah. own rules on that as well. Okay, but good idea. Awesome. But yeah, I yep. do take them wherever I am. So if you happen to do see me somewhere, I usually have some in the car. Yeah, I we need to do an hour on your book too. So we we need an hour on your book so you can share that as well. So that'd be good. But yeah, I'm glad you have copies. Okay, good. All right, let's do it next week. Thank you. Good to have you back. Appreciate it. Great to be right. back. Have a good one. All right, you too. Take care. So, Kelman, hey, welcome back to the show. And uh, let's. Uh, I want to get Kelman and Pianki. Well, Pianki, why don't you go ahead first? So I'm just. I'm glad to have Kelman back here, uh, calling in because this helps. Anyway, go ahead, Pianki. The thing that gets me, mm-hmm. and using. Jackson Lee of Texas of the 18th Congressional District. <clears throat> the 18th Congressional District consists of a congressperson. It consists of a state legislature uh, on both sides, a senator and a representative. Texas, in a whole, is gun-friendly. So why come the state legislature is not getting on Sheila Jackson Lee and say, look, you're trying to take away the rights of the entire state of Texas plus the rest of the United States, too. Mm-hmm. It's something wrong with that. This could be the beginnings of a, of a whole new initiative for us here. I, I think you're on to something. Um, Kelman, what do you think? Let's get your opinion, and then I'll, uh, I want to explore this further. Well, I guess you got to look at per capita. You, know, you have to look at the exposure um let's say El Paso, um, Houston, Dallas, Austin, et cetera, um, mm-hmm. on crime rates when it comes – because what, Greg uh, – what's his name? Greg Abbott, the governor, he signed a mm-hmm. law saying anyone can still, can still carry, you know what I mean? So um, you're not going to get real good definitive statistical numbers for like about five years. Okay? But then again, when you place it in comparison to like Illinois okay, or even Michigan at that, you know, mm-hmm. in retrospect of Detroit and Chicago, um, if you if you see real significant drops because people are too afraid to commit a crime because they're afraid that that person just down yonder has a gun, he's going to kill me because he feels emboldened because gun creates 
power. Guns create power. Okay? I can hold a gun up to you and you're practically submissive to me. So if a person who has a gun is intimidated by another person on the same circumstance that they may have a gun, they're not, they're not emboldened to, per se, commit the crime. So in about five years, you're going to start seeing these statistical numbers. And I mean, it's probably going to speak for itself, truly. It's probably going to speak for itself. But... Um, well, I think the numbers are already out. John Lott has written books. Uh, John Lott's been studying this issue for, for, I don't know, what, 30 years. So I think the books are already out on that. But uh, I, w- I want to pursue Pianchi's point a little bit here as to – now, Pianchi, do you know if they're either in, in Missouri or Louisiana states you're more familiar with, do they have a recall provision where if a Sheila Jackson Lee you know, starts spouting off about uh, taking away the rights of uh, uh, Americans at the federal level, that at the state level they can simply recall her and say, no, you can't do that. You're not representing our state anymore. I, I know they have recalls. In, they have recalls in Missouri. I don't know about down here in Louisiana. But here's another okay. thing. A person with a gun feel empowered, a criminal. Mm-hmm. Well, if they feel so empowered, why do they run after they commit a crime with a gun? Why don't you just stick around and be ready for the other guns that come in and surround well, them? Be which... Comment? I posted on the live, uh, live chat, too. It takes police about five to six minutes to respond to a scenario. Mm-hmm. It only takes a nine-millimeter Luger travels 370 meters per second. Okay? If I fire off a couple shots, I have five minutes to escape the scenario. Because huh. if a cop comes, and let's say I'm in the middle of the crime itself, if I shoot a cop, it's like it's like kicking a beehive. The moment you shoot at a cop or hit a cop, the whole bee's nest comes out and stings you. It's interesting. Well, you know, if I'm standing near you and I see a criminal mm-hmm. attacking you, He's going to have to worry about me, too, not just you with your guy. He's going to have to worry about me also. And then if there's three or four of us like myself, he's got the whole bunch of us will have to worry about. That's another thing. People in these guns, in these areas that's gun-friendly, they should wear that weapon. It, 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 it creates two things. One, it makes the public accustomed to seeing it, Okay. Then, of course, the next one is that criminals are less likely to want to engage when they see people carrying all around them. Calman? And that, and that scenario, start, I'll tell you an example. Uh, Go ahead, Calman. The loss of power. Well, you're talking about people that have guns have power. Criminals use guns to have power over other people. You know, citizens use guns so that the, the power isn't placed over them. But citizens who carry guns don't want to exercise any power over anybody else. We're not doing it for that reason. We're doing it for, for many reasons. One, it's our right. Two, I, really, I enjoy carrying one. I mean, I like the feeling of being a free man. You know, so I will carry one just for that purpose alone. Uh, I mean, it'd be for other purposes, but that alone is, is in my mind, is, is all I need. You know, uh, and so the difference is that, um, you know, between when you say empower, I just want to get don't give the impression out there that uh, that citizens carry guns because they want to exercise power. No, they don't. They can exercise, you know, you know, lawful authority to stop the exercise of power. Uh, and so that's a big distinction. But I want to say something that happened. Kevin, I don't think you've heard the story yet. When I was in California, 
uh, and I live in the Bay Area for about 30 years. Uh, you were allowed to open carry uh, as long as, you know, your, your gun was empty and you could have your magazines on the other side kind of thing or your speed loggers or whatever. And so there was an open carry movement to, to make it uh, normalized so that we could carry. Uh, um, that was, how did you know? Wait a minute. There was. But you, you, magazines on your right side. I've forgotten how it was. <laughs> But you could, yeah, it was kind of a weird thing, but you couldn't, you couldn't do it all the time. I don't know how we, or it had to be like some kind of organized, whatever it was. We had this open carry demonstration and we used to go to uh, restaurants, cafes, things like that. And I, I forgot whether it was an event or somehow you, cause you couldn't just normally do it. You couldn't just walk down the street open carrying. Um, but you, we were able to do this in, in a group and I should check the law and find out how we did this anyway. So we did it as a protest saying, protesting the fact that we couldn't carry guns. We carried openly and made a demonstration of it and the police would be there and they're like, Hey guys, you know, cause we tell them we're going to go and uh, they would check. Yes, your firearm is unloaded. Yes, that's fine. You can now, you know, proceed into your restaurant with your, with your demonstration. And we, we go have dinner, <laughs> you know, we get a bunch of us, but we you have a restaurant in California with, with half the people there would be openly carrying a firearm. And families would walk in. They didn't know this was going to happen, right? And I remember this one pizza place uh, in particular. We walked in and sat. It was the best day they ever had for business. It was the safest day they ever had, too. And people, when they see a large amount of people looking guns, they're like, oh, that's interesting. And we sat down. We talked with them. We did, did things like that. But it would not take long to get people accustomed to seeing firearms on half the population. That would happen very quickly if we would ever do it. Now, I've forgotten under what circumstances we could do it. But we actually, oh, I think it was like if, if the store allowed it. I think that's what it was. They say, okay, you can carry openly if it's okay with the store. And this is a pizza place in Walnut Creek. I forgot what it was called uh, in California. They loved it. And then they changed the law. We couldn't do it anymore. Uh, so that's how California deals with it. But, uh, but the normalizing of firearms I know works because I've seen it happen. And people, even when you have a, a, a disproportionate number of people who would be openly carrying, in other words, half the restaurant, and people are like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that's a good idea. And they, they had no problem with it. So it does work. So I got a fun story for you, too. Okay. Feel um, free. I was uh, down near Pensacola Beach. Right? Mm-hmm. I was with my ex-wife. We went up, et cetera. So was your ex at the time? Eating, um, <laughs> I spent interesting here with your ex. while we're, we're down we're, there. We're, oh, okay. Okay. We're sitting down eating. And uh-huh. all of a sudden, like a whole crew of uh, young gun people, kids, like high schoolers, et cetera. And this was, uh, I believe, the Stone, Stonewall Stone Douglas. Right. So was it David Ruth, Hogg? Was he um, there? This was like, yeah, David Hogg. Father okay. The FBI, right? Okay. Okay, so, now I'm curious. Anyway, um, uh-huh. <laughs> um, but these were a whole bunch of people, trying, a whole bunch of young kids trying to push for food control. Right? So they come in here and they're like eating, et cetera. Um, one thing I noticed, though, you know, I was sort of evaluating the room, et cetera. There were a couple large men. I figured they were security. You know, uh, they were like three, four, you know, large black men, et cetera, and um, they were speaking another language. So the only thing that I was sitting there is trying to interpret, okay, what language are they speaking? You know, um, North African, you got mostly French. When you go towards Ghana and Morocco, you start getting a little English, et cetera, but they were East African. You know, they were security guys. And they had guns on them themselves. Was were you inside the establishment? I'm just trying to. Uh, that were uh, your, your line's a little unclear. I don't know if you can get a little closer to your phone or, or just uh, you know a, a stronger signal somehow. But yeah, so so you're in an establishment in Pensacola Beach. We don't have to name which one. Um, and then the, yeah. the the gun control kids came in, and you're saying that the security officers were there too, and they were armed. 
so there was uh, security guys there, and they were armed, okay, and they were speaking okay. a different language. And okay. when you get, when, you know, there were four big black men, and I was listening to the language they were speaking. I couldn't pinpoint it because I can understand French. Okay, I can pinpoint Arabic, et cetera, you know, English. You know, I speak it. How, I how is this relevant? How is this relevant to the story? So they were pushing, all these kids are pushing gun control laws. Okay? But these people, there is the security more likely was provided by UN officials. So it's an outside collaboration. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, now you're, now you're losing me. So we, we, so we got guys that you think are from mind. Africa, from, 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 and it's a United Nations security? Is that what you're saying? Now you're losing me. I think it was United Nations. And why would United this, Nations be providing security in a, in a Pensacola Beach establishment? What, that doesn't make sense. For protesting ideological viewpoints on gun control laws in the United States. So are you saying these security people were protecting the protesters? Did they need yeah. protection? Yeah, they were like security detail for these young kids. Did they, have, did they come in with them? Did they leave with them? Did they have identification badges? Came in with them. They coordinated with them. They left with them. You know, the whole oh, okay. Did you talk to like, them? Where were did they from? Ask, yeah, that's what I'm. Did you ask who they were and what I, they were I doing? I couldn't there? pinpoint the language. I couldn't pinpoint the Why language. Why just ask them? So the only thing that said to me was Middle African to South African. Pianki, and Tell South me African speaks English, but well, see, that's the problem when you have a lot of people coming into the country. Legally uh illegal, but more emphasis on the illegal. They're coming with these ideologies where they are not used to a U.S. Constitution type governance protection where they come from. And then the next thing you know, they would do things that would try to that that would effectively tear down our Constitution. That's exactly what you just witnessed. Yeah, but I don't. I think I think uh, Calvin is trying to make the UN connection. I want to know. Why you didn't talk to them and find out where they were from? Where were the? Did you call a news crew? Did you? Uh, was the news there? Was there any media there? Is there any record of this that I can look at? Any videos? Well, I was with my ex-wife, and I wasn't. That's a story in itself, by the way. <laughs> that, I'm curious about that, but anyway, well, I'm not you know what I mean. You know, I, I do. I'm just. I'm just. I just find it interesting. But that's okay. That's me. Um, but why are they? And where did you know? I mean, what and what were they? What was the what were these folks doing? The students? What were they doing in this Pensacola establishment? Did they were they were they proclaiming stuff? Did they hold a meeting? Did they address the audience? Did they grab the microphone? What what did they do there? You know how you take a break from one o'clock, two o'clock to eat lunch. That's what they're doing. But I noticed the security detail because I was evaluating the room, and I was like, okay, these gentlemen are armed, and they. Well, how can and they be armed in, in, in Pensacola in a, in a, if they're, you, can't open, you can't open carry in Florida? So that doesn't make sense that they were there. They were armed. And that's the thing that made me go like. But we really have local funny. police for that. If, no, if a group, wait, see, this doesn't make sense. See, if a student group needs protection, we've got local police for that. We've got uh, county sheriffs for that. We, you know, I, I know the county sheriff in Escambia County. You know, so that where where were the county oh, sheriffs? Where was the I'm local law enforcement? These gentlemen were armed. This is like I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not questioning your honesty. I'm I'm questioning the I'm questioning this ago. information because it doesn't make sense. 
You know, were there any other police officers? Like I, I used to do uh, when, it, when I did the, the medical freedom rallies, and I went to the Blue Wahoo Stadium in Pensacola. Local police, Pensacola mm-hmm. City Police, were there. I think the county sheriffs might have been there too. I'm not sure, but the the local law enforcement handled that. Not that it was a problem; it had security because you know we, we had a, a you know a good crowd of people, and we were talking about medical freedom, something that the government doesn't want us to talk about. But uh, but why were there why weren't there local law enforcement there? And was there media there? Was there any media following these people around, which usually happens? No me. No media? All I know is I was sitting there eating dinner with my wife, and I did an evaluation of the whole entire group and the whole entire room, and I noticed these gentlemen, and they were armed, et cetera, over to the okay. side. No, I, I, I just like, say there's – Yeah. Um, no, there's gaps in the story that I can't, I can't fill. Yeah. Are, you, are you security trained? When you talk about evaluating the room, I find it interesting. That's an interesting choice of words. Uh, do you have security training, law enforcement training? I told training? you I'm a political policy expert. I know how to be. Uh, well, yeah, but I forget things. I'm not. I'm, yeah, yeah, forgive me for for forgetting your background, but uh, uh, okay. Yeah, don't worry, don't worry. It's just yeah. I'm very perceptive. So. Me too. <laughs> but that's why I'm curious. You know, I mean, most people don't talk about evaluating a room. Uh, that's that's a that's a law enforcement. That's a security term, uh, and it makes sense. Okay, I'm just, but I, but I'm curious. Bianca, we got probably Derek's going to join us in just a second here. So, do you have any any questions for for Calman? No, I have anything else to say. Okay. Well, Derek's going to join us a bit. All right, let's take a break right now. I'm going to play a couple things, and uh, I'll like to try and work these in before our, our next report. So uh, thanks, Cal Man. You're welcome to stick around. Pianki, stick around, too. We've got uh, our financial report, and apparently the market dropped a little bit yesterday, so this should be uh, very interesting. Be right back. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments, and choices? I don't which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. From addiction to achievement, that is the story of Mike Lindell. It started with my pillow and now goes to my coffee. Action Radio is proud to be an affiliate of my pillow. Our discount code is the same for all our product affiliates, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws. My pillow pillows are guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Action Radio is guaranteed to be the most controversial show you will ever hear. Check out their products with our discount code at MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. That's MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. Or order now by calling 1-800-544-8939. That's 1-800-544-8939. 
888-379-2539. Sleep well so you can wake up and hear Action Radio live. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. Money. What is it? How does it work? How do you get it to work for you? So many choices. Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, commodities, and then there are the markets. Oil, gold, manufacturing, trade, energy, even government. To make sense of all the places your money can go, Derek Park of Edward Jones Financial Advisors joins us Fridays at this time to make sense of the markets and your money. Oh, boy. <laughs> Interest rates are up. Market's down. <laughs> your turn. <laughs> Good morning, Derek. Yeah, isn't this great, right? Yeah. Let's start with the report. Let's do something different this morning. Let's, let's, uh, let's go to our numbers and I'll, I'll make some notes here, and then, we can, then you can tell me the story of what, uh, what's going on this week. Well, the report will do that for you. So, all right, well, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, good morning, everybody. This is Derek with Edward Jones in the Daily Financial Market Report. Stocks lower following Fed meeting and retail sales data. Equities closed notably lower on Thursday, carrying over from Wednesday's Fed announcement that stoked worries over higher for longer interest rate outlook. Weak retail sales figures added to the sour mood, shining additional light on the state of the economy in the wake of this year's aggressive Fed action. Underlying performance reflected a risk-off posture with defensive areas like utilities and consumer staples among the leaders today. Ten-year Treasury yields move lower along with oil prices, consistent with a more pessimistic outlook for economic growth. The equities closed lower today with the Dow Jones stone down 764 points or 2.25% to 33202. NASDAQ closed down 360 points or 3.23% to 10,811. And the S&P 500 closed down 100 points or 2.49% to 3896. In the bond market, the 10-year Treasury yield is trading at 3.45, lower by 0.04, uh, 0.05%. In the commodity markets, the price of crude oil was down a dollar twenty or one point five five percent to seventy six oh eight and the spot price of gold was down thirty one dollars and sixty cents or one point seven four percent to seventeen eighty seven and ten cents. This is Derek Park of Ever Jones, member SIPC. You can get me at eight five zero nine nine five zero zero eight two. Wow, <laughs> this is interesting. Well, let's. Uh, well, where do you want to start? I want to start with the market and uh, interest rates, or interest rates and market, and let's let's tell this story because this seems to be a recurring theme these days. 
Yeah, so the, the the Fed, the market really wanted to see the Fed kind of tailor off on the rate hikes. So the Fed tailors off on the rate hikes, uh, mm-hmm. but says that uh, they're going to remain persistent until they know inflation is is on the run. Um, I think that was that was bad commentary. I mean, I I personally believe that that uh, inflation already is on the run. I mean, uh, the last read on it was 7.1%. Um, mm-hmm. You know, back in June, it was 91 So it looks like it's going down. I mean, obviously, it's probably going to take another couple years for it to get back to where where even is. Um, you know, does that mean the market's going to stay down that long? Probably not. I mean, you know, typically, um, you know, when the market's gone down for a year, the next year is a, is a good year. Um, you know, so... Um, you know, obviously retail sales are not where they were expected. Um, you know, we're going into the holiday season. Yeah, this um, is Christmas. You know, that, Th- that's just weird. Yeah. You know, for Christmas, that's when most retailers make, what, half their money for the year a lot of times, right at Christmas time? Right. Well, look, I mean, that, that that's kind of a good thing. Um, you know, I mean, you, you, you have to understand with uh, retail sales not hitting the mark that that, uh, you know, that, that – basically says that, uh, you know, the economy is not doing good. Um, you know, the, the, the market uh, was really spooked more at the Fed, at the Fed rather than, um, you know, rather than, uh, you know, uh, uh, bad economic data. You know, I mean, uh, the market, I think right now is just ready to hear the word recession, to, to, to be honest. Um, and then everybody can say, okay, hey, we can start looking for better economic data and let the recovery begin. Yeah, but we, you know, we've already had a recession. We've been talking about it starting, you know, a year ago. So we're coming into this is a, a we've had almost a year of recession, except the little aberration in the third quarter uh, when there was some slight growth to the economy. But th- this will be our, our our third quarter of negative growth, one, two, and four, right? Or, or has that been reported yet? Uh, it hasn't been reported yet. Um, that quarter, this quarter, doesn't report until uh, beginning of the new year. Um, okay. You know, so. Um, you know, it, it's it's hard to say. You know what I mean? Okay. It's, uh, so far, the growth for the year, um, I just saw in the report has you know came in at point oh five. You know, so it's it's been almost a complete negative year. Well, and here's the thing too: just because the, even if the growth were very slightly positive, like I, I would have called the, the Obama years a recession years, even though they had what half to one and a half percent growth, that is so small especially at the half a, right. a percent growth end, that it really doesn't matter, that you're not growing enough to be perceptible. That, to me, is a recession. If we don't have, what, 3% growth a year or whatever the, their, their benchmark is, um, right. then, you, you, then you're not, you, you don't have a productive economy. So perception. I don't think people perceive you know, 0.5 negative growth versus 0.5 positive growth. It still looks bad, I would think. Right, right. Hmm. I mean, it, it, you know, you have to understand equities are under a lot of pressure right now. Um, from you know, what? I mean, it's it's uh, a, a pressure from from economic data. You know, what I mean, pressure from okay. um, you know fear. You know, what I mean, you have to understand there's there's roughly um, you know three things that drive the market. Um, you know, that's that's the economy, that's the economic data, uh, mm-hmm. investor sentiment, how they feel about the market, and fear. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it's uh, those are those are the three biggest things. You know what I mean? And two so of those are emotional. Absolutely, yeah. One on data and two on emotions. Interesting. Yeah, there's uh, there's there's actually two um, or two. I think it is two. Um, you know, major certifications you can get that are that are about the psychology and emotions of the market. Um, you know what I mean? These are like letters you put behind your name that say that you're a psychologist of emotions for the market um you know i mean it's, really? so it's a real thing 
Yeah. Can you get one of those folks on the show? That'd be fascinating. Um, I don't don't even know anybody that has the certification. I just know they exist. How about Edward Um, Jones? Let's go to your company. You know, maybe they'll sponsor your report sometime. That'd be nice. But, uh, or, or, I don't know. I've never heard of this. This is great. A money psychologist. No, I love it. It makes a lot of sense. So where do Wall Street, you know, people go when they have a bad day? They go to the money psychologist. That is hysterical. Anybody heard of this term? We got a couple of, we got Cal, Cal Manis online and, and Pianca's online too. This is fascinating. Huh? Well, all right. So you guys can join when you feel like I have always had more questions myself. It seems to me that given the, the fact that the, 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 uh, the federal government is spending so much money and there's a good chance they're going to vote today to spend trillions more idiots. That's, you know, in my accelerator and break philosophy, the accelerator is the federal spending and then the borrowing and then the printing. And then the increase in the money supply, that's going to increase inflation. The break, there's two breaks going on right now. You've got, uh, and tell me what you think of my theory here. The, the first break is interest rates, trying to lower demand. The second is the fact that the economy sucks right now, which is lowering demand. So the fact that oil prices are lower and these things are lower, it's not because we're not, the government isn't doing its best to create as much inflation as possible. It's that they've created a situation so bad that despite the inflation they've created, people still don't want to you know, go buy stuff. Well, that? I mean, that's that's normal. Um, you know, I mean, when when uh, inflation is up, um, you know, inflation is uh, is 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 causing problems. You know, I mean, we're mm-hmm. in the holiday season where people typically spend more money. But, um, you know, that's that's not working out because people, um, you know, people, uh, you know, I mean, they they I guess one are are experiencing inflation and and two, mm-hmm. I mean, because of that, they're they're not spending what they normally would spend. So, I mean, it's it's par for the course if you know, I mean, we're we're going into recession. Well, I wonder how much people spend. Is there any study on this that uh, taking into account how much of people's discretionary budget or their total budget they spend on, say, Christmas, all right, and then and then compare that to the increased cost of the of inflation in the last two years. So, in other words, if uh-huh. if people spend ten percent of their income um, that they make at, at holiday time um, on on Christmas gifts, and you've got you know nine percent inflation, you know, is that taking away? Is whatever they would spend on Christmas has that already gone to inflation? Has that robbed people of their Christmas spending, their discretionary spending, by spending on essentials? Is, is, is there any correlation or any study that's looking to that? Now I haven't seen anything specific on it. I mean, that's okay. a that's, want to take a wild guess. <laughs> I bet you that's what that, it is. I, man. That's a that gets into a lot of lot of things that that I, I I'm not sure that I would say that I'm that I'm good with. Okay, I'll do it. I can say anything I want yeah. on my show, but it, and this is and this is and, and I tell folks this all the time. I said if we if we're giving you the facts, we'll tell you the facts. If we're wildly speculating, we'll tell you we're wildly speculating, uh, and that's how you know. I mean, you're free to do that. How can you how can you fire and ask questions if if you can't speculate on stuff? Um, right. Let's talk about the let's talk about the white haired idiot Janet Yellen. <laughs> what is her problem? Oh, inflation's going to go away next year, and nobody asks her based on what. <laughs> what if the if if the Congress is about to spend, you know, however many trillion more on their stupid pork package, so that the Republican House can't take away their pork package, which of course they can. Um, how can that not be inflationary? How can that not generate massive inflation next year? I mean, it, no it will. Answer. I mean, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, I, I, you know, you, you. You know, the inflation is caused by the government, you know, and, and the government loves inflation. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, they they make more money. It's more tax revenue, you know. So, um, you know, I mean, for them to even say that it was transitory should let you know that they obviously had no idea what was going on. Yeah. Well, or do they or do they have an idea that's going on? They're just trying to say it's not. Uh, so is the denial for the government? Is it for their own selves? Oh. Or is it to try to influence the market? But the market already knows. The you truth, almost so. can't. You almost can't feel like they're that stupid, but then sometimes you have to be like, yeah, I guess maybe you are. Mm, you know what I mean? When you know, you get we, up there and, and say, huh. you, you know, it's like your, it's like your, your, your kid. If you ever have a kid, you know, and you, and you tell your kid, I raised one. you know, uh, yeah. well, you, you did, right? You know what I mean? Your, oh, your yeah, kid I raised, did I raised something kid, yeah. wrong. Uh-huh. Your kid did something wrong, and you ask right. them, you know, do they know what they did? And they're like, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they know what they did. You know what I mean? They're playing coy. That's what it feels like. That's interesting. See, my daughter was always smart enough to know that I was smart enough to know that she was smart enough to know what she was doing. <laughs> so that, was, that never came yeah, up with us. So like, that a brilliant kid. You know, yeah, but, uh, yeah. one one of my kids does. The other one, the other one is like, you know, he'll 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 play coy with you. You know, and you're just like, really. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's like we know what you're doing. Right. Well, let's uh, right. let's open up to our other two folks. So, uh, Pianchi Kalman, let's go Pianchi first. See if you have a question. I've got. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of curious about oil, as I always am. But uh, Pianchi, do you have a question for for Derek? I'm mute. He's still all right. Kalman, let's go to you. Pianchi might be busy. Do you have a question? Is it a rare chance to uh, to catch on our financial uh, report? Gorman's going twice. Since uh, he's a financial guy. One, uh-huh. I uh, wanted to ask, when COVID hit in 2020 and everyone was printing money, et cetera, in order to combat it, and this is essentially the hangover, you know, and there's a bullwhip effect hitting us right now as well when it comes to uh, discounted on consumer goods. Do you, do you think in the next year that there will be higher inflation when it comes to these consumer goods? Or do you think there will be a very severe lack of demand because of the lack of money because of the high interest rate, no money printing? That's an interesting question. I'm gonna, I, that's, that's, that's very well put, I, and I would have to believe um, because I can't really predict it. You know, I mean, if the Fed starts making bad choices, that, that, that my predictions would be wrong. You know, but I personally believe it would be a combination of both. Um, you know, you have – and with the with the Fed continuously raising interest rates, um, you know it, it causes problems for people borrowing money, but it also creates good places for people to save in safe havens and CDs and things like that. So what it does is it incentivizes people to put money in the banks, right? You know, so um, you know that being said, that they will naturally spend less. You know, I mean, it, it will be a natural reoccurrence of what happens. I mean, statistically speaking, if you talk about when we're a rising interest rate environment, um, you know, the, the, the banks increased their money holdings by like 10,000%. It was ridiculous, right? Hmm. So, you know, I mean, if you go back and look at what the CD purchases were like back in the 80s and stuff like that, for example, you know, what I mean, it just it, it inflated so quickly because people were taking advantage of the money opportunities because – yeah, uh, the interest rates were so high they couldn't borrow. Yeah, like twenty percent. So why not? It was, it was right, insane. right. So why yeah, not? yeah. The Iranian oil situation kind of led to that spike for the most part. Um, well, 
that's a, okay. that's just, I want I want to I talk about that really because that, that's that. a good point too. Until we reached a certain point, and then obviously the the economy is going to turn around, and you know they're going to start lowering interest rates, or you know we're going to have another crisis and they lower interest rates. You know you have to. If we go into a recession and the recession takes hold of the economy, then the Fed will naturally say, okay, we're going to reduce interest rates, and that's going to boost the economy again. You know, so um, the answer, the short answer is yes, I do believe it's going to happen, but it's going to be a combination of both. But if they okay. reduce interest rates, that'll, um, you know, that'll allow for more spending, which, uh, you know, is, they might raise the price, that might, you know, create more inflation from the, from the spending side of it, as it opposed to the government quickly, spending though. side of it. It wouldn't be quickly. It would be sort of like yeah. a plateau and then a mm-hmm. gradual decrease while they do money printing at that in order to support certain avenues of U.S. economy. I mean, you know, you, you can't just sit there and be like, oh, hey, the economy had a recession. Exports went completely off the rails. You know, no one's exporting anything. We've got to print a little money for these people in order to keep people employed or else you're going to hit, like, well, do you If you believe in a free market, why would you ever print money to try and change the economy? I mean, the whole point of a free market is that things succeed and things fail. You know, there's no such thing in my vocabulary as too big to fail. You know, so if a bank right, fails or right. a corporation fails or a car company fails, then they're supposed to, or if the government fails, which they do. I mean, the government should be allowed to go bankrupt and go away. I mean, that'd be an interesting concept. Uh, in fact, they, but the only problem is they'll take the rest of us with them. That, that's economic right. suicide. Right. So, so, I mean, I, I there, tell people all the time, it's, it's in order for our economy to fail, you have to understand what it does to the world. You know what I mean? Like the world, the world cannot afford for the U.S. economy to fail. I mean, like it's, it's a, uh, we, we true. are 60 percent of the world food supply, 60 mm-hmm. percent. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, like, can you imagine if our economy fell apart and we couldn't produce that, the famine that would happen in the world? So, mm-hmm. I mean, the world, I mean, from a food standpoint. Um, from a manufacturing standpoint, while China does have us above in manufacturing, um, you know, car production and a lot of other things are still well beyond what they can keep up with. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, if, if, if it became like a manufacturing thing, I mean, you know, the world would have problems. So, I mean, being what, what is it, 24.2 percent of the world's economy uh, is owned by the U.S., you know, I mean, so, uh, yeah, it, it, the world can't afford anything like that. So um, if Uncle Sam was late on his bond payments, they'd be like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, <laughs> just get it to us when you can get it to us. If the bank loan's too big, what do they say? Small loans, the bank owns you. Big loans, you own the bank because they can't afford to not have yeah. you pay them yeah. back. Yeah, that's interesting. That's what, well, you yeah, said something yeah. – there's something you mentioned earlier about people saving now. And it kind of makes sense yeah. that if the interest rates are high enough, they're going, to, they're going to make money. You know, if you spend money now, you're going to lose it because prices are too high. But if you save it now and take advantage of the higher interest rates, then you can take that money. And then when the economy recovers, you can spend again. So is, is that typically what happens after a recession is that people that, that save their money are now buying all the things at the lower prices that, that they don't want to buy at the higher prices because of the inflation? Yeah, I mean, that's 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 very true. You know, I mean, so inflationary times, oil tends to lose value. Um, You know, so, I mean, oil, you know, the gas pumps are going to be great, which is great for transportation. That means those numbers are going to come back down. Um, You know, additionally, you know, when the Fed does start easing off on rate hikes and and, you know, starts lowering interest rates, you know, people will stop saving as much. They'll start sinking more money back into the market because they're not getting that good old safe return of five percent consistent. 
You know, hmm. I mean, like then then their return is going to go down to about two or three percent and they're going to need to go back into the market. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. It, it, it's, a, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy when it happens. <laughs> Well, and, and the thing is, this is also curable too. And how come nobody's telling the government to stop spending money? I mean, I would think that the Wall Street, you know, gurus would I mean, be running huge they, they, uh, they, they, I, I'm not trying to, you know, separate politics, but there is a ton of Republicans that are. There's a ton of Republicans that that are like, hey, you know, I mean, the government is out of control with spending right now. We need to we need to come back to the drawing board. Now, I haven't heard any Democrats say that. I'm not trying to throw them under the bus. I just haven't heard them say that. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, and here's something, and Calvin, I'd be curious your response to this, too. So I wrote a bill uh, earlier this year. It's a constitutional amendment that takes away the power of Congress to borrow money. This would fundamentally change everything. It would get rid of most of the economic problems that we talk about. There'd be no inflation. You know, you would have, in fact, I had David Stockman on, and in fact, uh, Pianchi, I mean, uh, I mean uh, Derek talked about, he had a nice critique of, of Stockman, which, which I thought was great, so I really appreciate that. But uh, one of the things that yeah. we all agreed on is that deflation is a good thing. That if we can, um, you know, start contracting the money supply. So, so here's a question for you, Derek. Why do they contract the interest rates rather than contracting the money supply? Wouldn't it be better just to contract Say the money supply? Again. I'm sorry. What, what was that's it? Okay. Say that yeah. again? Well, because what happens is, is that the Fed, you know, whenever they, we have this, you know, the accelerator and the brake. So rather than ease off on the accelerator, they always try to do the accelerator and the brake, the accelerator being spending and the brake being uh, rising interest rates. So why don't they ever... Just you know, forget the interest rates, but just ease off on the accelerator. In other words, contract the money supply. Nobody seems to be advocating for that. Well, they, uh, they did. Yeah, you were talking about. So, so when the Fed says that they're they're uh, quantitative easing and all of this other stuff, that also right. means that they go to the banks and say, okay, your limits of holding money are no longer. You know, a hundred million. I don't know what the number is. I'd have to go look. Right? It's uh-huh. no longer a hundred million. It's now a hundred and fifty million. Right? Hmm. So they say the bank has to have more money in there, implying that the bank has to hold on to more money when it hits the bank. Right? Um, you know, so they do do that. You know, I mean, and that does basically right. take money out of circulation. Oh, okay. All right. They will also, additionally, not to not to not to ramble on, but they will also recall bills, right? So that's also an opportunity to, for them to say, okay, um, you know, all this money dated between this and this, we're no longer going to have that in circulation. So when it hits the banks, you're to pull it out of circulation and send it back to the Fed to be destroyed, right? So they'll start, you know, uh, decycling bills, and this is where the printing comes in, right? When they decycle those bills, you know, call it. Call it 20%. They'll say, okay, hey, we're getting this out of circulation. Then they'll say, um, okay, we're going to print 50% more of the 20% that we, that we pulled out. So that's when they inject more money into the supply. But they're like I told you before, when they do that, they're supposed mm-hmm. to produce an equal amount of bonds covering that money and sell those bonds. doesn't matter who right. buys them, right? Could, be, could mm-hmm. be U.S., could be foreign, who cares? But they have to sell the bonds to cover that debt. That's how the fiat currency works, right? Um, but I, I can't, I can't prove that that's happening or not. I mean, you can assume it is right now. Our bonds are worth gold, man. You know what I mean? Like you can get 30 year bonds for, you know, 4%. So they're selling like hotcakes, you know? So, um, so the, you know, the good news is, yeah, we should explain this again for people because we have, we have a lot of listeners, especially, uh, our listeners are growing in Canada, Australia, uh, England, New Zealand. 
it's really interesting. The, the English-speaking British Commonwealth world is really picking up on action radio. So because they have similar, I, I don't know if they're different in the parliamentary system, how they do it. But, um, but the government, you know, when they issue these bonds, you know, to raise money to pay for their spending, um, how does, where does that money go? Does it go directly to the Treasury? How, do you know how, where, how that cycle works? I don't know how that cycle works, no. And I'd, I'd have okay. to, like, study the budget to, to know that. Yeah. Well, we know it works. See, I have, I have some gaps in my knowledge. As much as I study economics in college, there's still the actual mechanisms, you know, sometimes uh, elude me. Um, when we speak of the money supply, because so much of our currency is electronic now, uh, and all, so many of our transactions are electronic, is the money supply just the actual physical paper dollars out there? Um, or is when they count money supply, do they count, you know, all the money that's available? How, how do they judge money supply these days? Ooh, um, that, that, uh, that's another gotcha question, Greg. I'd have to look specifically. Okay, well, yeah, and that's fine. That you know, I, I mean, I, I just yeah. think of these things. I, I, I can't tell you. Uh, next week I'm going to ask you a question about this. <laughs> it just doesn't work. My brain doesn't work that yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's, but if, I'm if, just if wondering. You know, I mean, I, uh, those are things I can answer for you, but, you know, I mean, that's something specific that I wouldn't even want to guess at. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, look at that myself. Does money supply uh, only apply to physical, or does that apply to um, both, like, digital as well? Like, well, that's that, that question. Uh, M2 money supply line. Oh, do you mean, like, uh, cryptocurrency, Ooh. or are you talking about just, uh, you know, money no, on credit? No, he's talking about, like, how they, how they supply, like, banks electronically, and I'm, I'm assuming that's what you're asking, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's a really good question. I, mean, I, I, I wouldn't know. Yeah, hmm. that's that's something I would have to I would have to look at specifically. I mean, I, I, I it's a good question, Greg. If you, if you prep me, I don't. Um, yeah, next week I won't be on. Just FYI, no, I don't think anybody will be on. You know, <laughs> next week's oh. our anniversary show, by the way. <laughs> next week's our anniversary, it, so it, nobody's going to be here because it, it's Christmas Eve. <laughs> that's okay. I'll do it myself. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, so if you want to prep me for uh, you know the next one, Greg, I'd, I'd be happy to look into. Yeah. Do it next year. I mean, I think you'll probably be off the following Friday because it's, it's New Year's Eve, you know, Eve, <laughs> you know, whatever. So that's fine. So, I mean, we, we take kind of a break at Christmas time anyway. But that would just be a question. Write it down somewhere or listen to the podcast and say, you know, what, oh. if, what actually is the money supply? That would be a, a great topic for a future show. So you never have to answer my questions when I ask them. Uh, I just uh, – a yeah. lot of times I just like asking, you know, you know ele- electronic. What is – what is – you know, how do they actually do it? Because I, I think in the older days when it, so much of it was currency, when people – when they did most of their exchanges, it was done with cash. You know, 100 years ago, it was pretty, pretty much all cash. You know, then with yeah, the credit card yeah, and everything yeah. else, you know, so what is, and maybe that's part of the, part of the problem that they don't have control of the money supply because so much of it is not cash anymore. Maybe that's right. an issue. Huh. I, that could be, you know I mean? I, I, and I'm not, I'm not sure again, that's something I'd have to go look at specifically. Okay. But I do, uh, I do got to run. Uh, I can't that's stay fine. on this morning, but uh, no, I understand. Yeah. If you want to prep me for the next one, um, I, just you know, I mean, I'd be happy to decide <laughs> for, for next year. Questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's your, pre- there's your prep for next year. So, uh, all right. Sorry, everyone inside of you there, bud. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't mind good questions. Um, you know, if they're, uh-huh. if they're relevant, um, you know, and I mean, I'll go do research on it. I mean, I, I yeah. can't know everything, you know what I mean? Well, and I never expect answers, you know, you never, right. there's never a requirement to answer a question that I ask at that time. 
I'd rather have right. uh, have you think about it for a couple of weeks and come back in and say, remember that question from a couple of weeks ago on the money supply? Well, yeah, I got an answer for you. <laughs> that to me is fine. That's, sure. that's, that's actually much, much preferred than trying to guess at something. I'd rather have you say, you know, that's a big question, Greg. Why'd you do that for me now? You know, it's much easier to say, okay, right. you know, come back and, and just try another time. Well, listen, Merry Christmas. And uh, I don't think I'll be talking to you for, for a little bit. Um, but uh, um, thank you very much for, for all you do for the show and everything else. It's, it's really a pleasure to have you on. You're our only financial reporter, so you're kind of it. <laughs> so, you know, well, uh, please stick around. Yeah, go ahead. Yep. Well, I'm, I'm uh, happy to be here. And, uh, again, thanks, Greg. Um, this is Derek Park with Edward Jones. Again, you can get me at 850-995-0082. Take care. Have a, have a nice day. Okay, thanks, Derek. Appreciate it. And please do call him. Uh, that would be uh, and when it, when Action Radio makes its fortune, when all you folks uh, uh, start sponsoring my show, you know, major corporations, things like that, I'm going to go to Derek. <laughs> so uh, I, I figured that out. All right, um, let me take a break here. We've got the open hour, and I've got some more on on Trump's uh, report. I want to talk about that, um, but I want to just uh, play a couple things. See what I, what haven't I played yet? Uh, here we go. So I'm going to play two more things, and then we'll be right back. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend Jason Myers and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand your ground is located at 6632 Elba Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force your source for pure energy. Strikeforce is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Right your laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at strikeforceenergy.com. That's strikeforceenergy.com. Start your engines. Joe Biden's Dark Winter. No freedom, no liberty, no guns, no representation, no oil, no coal, no nuclear power, no space force, no constitution, no family gatherings, no vacations, just taxes, work, misery, masks, lockdowns, and ever more government. This is what will happen if you let Marxists steal the election. This has been a public service announcement of Action Radio, reminding you it's time to get off your butt and save your country.
<laughs> yeah, I made that right before the 2020 election, but uh, unfortunately, most of it's true. The only thing I didn't put in there was free speech, and so that's one of our, our biggest issues right now. I'll get to in a minute, but I want to see if either Priyanki or Calmet have any, any follow-up economic topics you want to get to before we get to, back to our main topic du jour. Priyanki? No, nothing yeah. really. Just get back to the main topics of the day. Sounds good. Comment. Do you have a follow-up? Anything economic you wanted to discuss real quick? You know, when it comes to the raising of the interest rates, et cetera, I uh-huh. still do hold to my own personal opinion that I think it's to drive us into a recession so the whole world goes into a recession, and therefore we can hit energy exports by uh, Russia and also manufacturing exports by China. Yeah. Less yeah, demand, this... Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much the, the international economy. Uh, I'm not sure how much the international economy applies to us right now. I mean, it does when we were so dependent on oil, but because the worldwide oil demand is down, I mean, prices are down. They're under three dollars a gallon here in Florida, uh, and so three dollars is kind of like the. There's, there's a couple of different benchmarks. I call it you know two, three, five, and seven. <laughs> you know how I do it. So under two dollars, everybody's really happy, but uh, they'll pay over two. You know, once it gets to three, people start getting miserable. It's like, wait a minute, that's the warning sign. Over four. Now it's now they're upset. Uh, over five, you know, they're complaining big time, and you've got uh, major major problems. Uh, over seven, you're going to see riots in the streets. <laughs> you know, so uh, uh, that's that's how I that's how I grade it. But uh, at, at less than three dollars. I mean, it's due slow exports, uh, whether it's manufacturing or commodities based out of Russia. Hello? Yeah, he must have fell off the chair again. I can't hear you, buddy. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, but I can't hear the butt. I don't know what happened to Greg. Well, anyway, let's carry on a conversation if we're still on here. So when it comes to gun control, do you think, for the most part, you know, the Democrats are pushing an ulterior motive to the point of, like, getting rid of guns and the law-abiding citizens? Is that what you think? Because I think that. Well, when you, when you see those topics brought up, they always come from that camp. And when they're speaking to the public or constituents, it's all that type of conversation. Whenever you have calamities happen, and in this case we're talking about mass shootings, quote unquote, well, the victims always go to the Democrat and they denigrate Republicans. So, yes, I would have to say that's it. Okay, I'm back. My signal was cut. <laughs> I get kicked out of the show for a minute, but uh, yeah. Thanks for covering, guys. Oh yeah, yeah. Talking about gun control, you know, I mean, it's it's a very intricate topic. I mean, it's Second Amendment in the Constitution. You know, one is freedom. We need to acknowledge that freedom of speech needs to exist, whether people like it or not. But it it cannot call, cause harm. Like, let's get him. You know, that's that's one thing. But you know, we're on the Second Amendment, and the Second Amendment is your right to bear arms. 
Now, whether the arms is, you know, brought up towards an individual or oppression at that, like people saying, for example, one of the perfect examples that I got to say nowadays is China. These people that were put under COVID, zero COVID policy, okay, they were locked in their apartment. You know, they can't even go outside. Even if they wanted to break the rules, they can't go outside. They're literally chained inside. Like that, that is in prison. As much as anyone wants to beat around the bush, it's in prison. And that kind of oppression is something that the Second Amendment is for. Like, in certain extent, it's egregious in some cases, you know, but. Hmm. Well, let me, let me jump in here for a second. I just thought of something as you were talking, then I want to get back to Trump's free speech initiative and it concerns free speech. Do you, uh, let's go uh, Calman and then Pianchi. Do you think that the open carrying of firearms is actually a free speech, right? That you are making a free speech statement by open carrying your firearms. So it's not only covered by the second amendment, it's actually covered by the first amendment too. Come in. That is a very good argument one could make. That is a very good argument. But at the same time, speech is, mm-hmm. speech is, um, oh, what's the word? Um, speech is interpretation. I could say one word and it can be interpreted another way. While well, carrying a gun. Free speech is, and speech are different. Uh, you know, the, 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 the right to free speech is absolute. What you say you're responsible for, and if you commit a crime of libel or slander, you can be charged with it, even though the right, the, the right of free speech is still absolute. So I always separate right from use here, and that, I think that's an easier way to talk about it. Okay, that's a very good point. You know, libel versus uh, freedom of speech and expression itself. Um, but well, no, libel is not. Uh, is a physical action. Right. Well, so is protesting. No, carrying um, a sign. So is carrying a sign. Yeah, that's very true. You got me a little stumped you know, on that uh, legal interpretation of the lingo, you know. <laughs> really thinking about well, it. Well, like, no, but uh, we, we man, look at all rights. Right I, I look at all rights in terms of use, uh, and the use can be regulated. Um, but, uh, and that's subordinate. That comes under statutory law. But the right itself is absolute, which comes under constitutional law, which is supreme to statutory law. That's why gun control is categorically unconstitutional, because it, uh, it, regu- it prior restrains your use. So the use cannot be prior restrained. That's what makes the, the difference between a right and a use. So a right is, is, is absolute, um, uh, but once you, you exercise or once you use the thing that we're talking the right about, then you come under, you know, laws of legal and illegal. It would be absurd to suggest that the use of firearms is a right. It's not because you can use it legally and illegally, but the right to own and carry the right to keep and bear is absolute because you have to be able to carry a gun to be able to use it legally in an instant. So it has to be that way. Let me just so let's end our gun stuff. Let me ask Pianchi that question. Do you think, and I know the answer, I mean, this is a rhetorical question, but Pianchi, the right of, of open carry is actually a free speech right as well as the Second Amendment. Yes, you yeah. are expressing through your action okay. a silent speech. Yes. Well, you can make noise about it too. Hey, I'm carrying a gun openly, it's my right. <laughs> That's what I do. As a, so that way I'm exercising. Man, you know, but it, 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 it's political contribution. What's that? Covered under First Amendment. Uh, open carry is a type of expression, too. 
So that could mm-hmm. be interpreted as the idea of First Amendment. I think it is. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell Shirley about that when I get off the air. In fact, I'll post to our Action Radio Gun Group that I absolutely believe. Now, and I'm gonna start arguing this from now. On. I mean, I just thought of it literally as you were talking. But the First Amendment. Let me get the First Amendment. Clearly says Amendment One, U.S. Constitution. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. So religions first, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof of religion, or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press, or the right of people to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. So it says abridging the freedom of speech. Well, if you're taking a gun away from someone from carrying it openly, you're abridging speech, because that is, in fact, speech. Speech doesn't have to be verbal or vocal. Speech can be printed. Speech can be online. Speech can be uh, anything. It can be a protest. And you know, in fact, they, the court even said that political contributions, like money, money is speech. Yeah. In fact, you're actually paying someone else to speak. If you're if you're contributing to a political campaign, you're actually transferring your speech right through money. <laughs> What's that? Yeah. All right. Let's get back to let's get back to Trump's thing here. So so Trump made a speech last night. Yeah. Uh, but you I know why Trump's speech is, is statutory? Because you can paint your house a certain color, unless right. you're in a certain zone, like for uh, old homes, like you were speaking of about the trees. And they say, well, your house has to be this color to fall in line with the other colors. Well, that's a statute. Yeah. But free speech is guaranteed and protected by the U.S. Constitution. Mm-hmm. So is painting your house speech? I would say yes, but I would say that it comes under – again, that's the exercise. So is the exercise of painting your house that you are calling free speech, can that be challenged uh, in court and can it be challenged by statute? I would say yes depending on where you are. If you're part of a homeowners association, you've given up certain things. You've decided to live communally. Or like in a housing project. In other words, can you, you know, do, I don't know, things that you could do legally in your own home, can you do it uh, in a housing project? Well, maybe not, because now you're at the taxpayer's expense. You're a communal living situation. You're receiving a benefit by being in public housing. Not that it actually is. But anyway. Like renovations um, in a housing project, and it's not necessarily going to be for you in the future. Yeah, you, you can't make a, I don't know, if you can put a, a wooden deck and a barbecue on your, on your porch on, on the 30th floor of some housing project. I don't know. Anyway, but it's an interesting thought. But again, separate the use. So the use of a, of a right uh, is, is statutory because uses can be legal and illegal, and it has to be statutory for that reason. Rights are absolute which means, you know, up until the point of exercise, you have to have the means to exercise. So in other words, the computer, the, the, anything else you want to do. Second Amendment, you have to be able to have, um, you know, all, all the guns that you want to have. You know, you have to be able to carry concealed, uh, you know, or you have to be able to carry a gun anywhere you want to carry a gun so that you can exercise lawfully you know, the use of that gun. But if you separate use from the right, that I've, I've been making that argument for a while now. It seems to clarify a lot of different things. All right, let's get back to Trump here. We only got about forty-five minutes, and we can come back to guns later. Uh, but I want, but this is uh, but Trump made this thing. He says the free speech policy initiative. I read part of it in the first half hour. So if you missed the first half hour, go back in the podcast later uh, and check that out. I want to cover the things that he's covering now. He has he had he had a bunch of points. If we cover the first point, uh, he's going to have an executive order within hours of his inauguration. Second point, order the Department of Justice to investigate anybody in the government. Who, who made those, those uh, deals with, like, uh, Twitter. Third point is where I left off, so let me start there. Trump said, third, upon my inauguration as president, I will ask Congress to send a bill to my desk 
revising Section 230 to get big online platforms out of censorship business. This is where I'm going to challenge him because I've already written that bill. All right? He says, from now on, digital platform, uh, it must be a misprint, digital platforms, should only qualify for immunity protection under Section 230 if they meet high standards of neutrality, transparency, fairness, and non-discrimination. We should require these platforms to increase their efforts to take down unlawful content such as child exploitation and promoting terrorism while dramatically curtailing their power to arbitrarily restrict lawful speech. Okay. Comments on that, and then I'll tell you what I think, because I think he's wrong. Uh, who wants, can we read it again, any part of that? But this is, this is the key to it for me right here, this third point, revising Section 230. Comments? Let me do it again. Well, I do understand the concept yeah. of uh, having more free speech on the Internet. I, I do sit there and I acknowledge that because there's been a large amount of censorship. I spent a lot of time doing a lot of research on many different topics on the Internet. And I've noticed that over the past, so let's say 15 years now, where I've done extensive research, there's been quite a bit of uh, censorship. And I'm a very much a person where I believe in the truth shall set you free. You know, the more you understand about the world, the more you can properly interpret the world. Now, well, see, laws aren't when it comes to laws should be used. You use the laws written, you don't interpret it. That's that's a and that's a, I think that's a fallacy in the court's idea of interpreting laws is a complete fallacy. They have no power to interpret laws. That's not in the Constitution. It's not anywhere that I know. There's no interpretations clause. That's your point. There. I want you to summarize your point because I really want to deal with this point specifically. I think this is critically important. This third section. Jackie, you had a point. Let me let me go to you on this. Did you want to hear it again, or you, you got it? Well, I, you read it again. All right, let me take it piece by piece, because this is this, I believe this is important. He says, third, upon my inauguration as president, I will ask Congress to send a bill to my desk revising Section 230. Let's take the first part, to get big online platforms out of the censorship business. I agree with that. That makes sense. I've already written that bill. I wrote it a year and a half ago, you know, and I'm going to go over it in just a little bit. The second thing he says is from now on, digital platforms should only qualify for immunity protection under Section 230 if they meet high standards of neutrality, transparency, fairness, and non-discrimination. That, I believe, is wrong, and I'll tell you why. You, you either give blanket immunity uh, and then you make it conditional, which is what I do, um, but if you, start, if you start dividing it, you know, if they meet high standards, who's going to judge those high standards? You're going to be in court forever. This is going to cost a fortune. You're going to need a whole bureaucracy. You're going to have the, 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 the standards department of, of the Justice Department. What do you mean neutrality, transparency, fairness, and non-discrimination? You know, you're going to be in court forever trying to do that. I don't think that's workable. I think that's a mistake. Gentlemen? <laughs> you make the forever claim you made is kind of funny. But, you know, there's been a state. What state did it say that uh, they would not allow TikTok to – uh, be used on government issued phones, cell phones. Georgia, Georgia did that yesterday. I think, uh, in fact, the Senate actually passed the same thing. TikTok cannot be used by by any government official in the federal government. The Senate passed it unanimously. That was fascinating. I think they they never Massachusetts. Uh, Massachusetts. Yeah, I they did too. Massachusetts passed it just the other day as well. Okay. Well, let me let me let me get back to this main question. Do you think? 
that a bill uh, under Section 230 could uh, have qualified immunity or, or, or should, let me read it again. It says, from now on, digital platforms should only qualify for immunity protection under Section 230 if they meet high standards of neutrality, transparency, fairness, and non-discrimination. Does that make sense? No, I don't think that that should be. I don't think so. I think a state has the right to say if we don't want Google in our state to be used in our state, they should have a right to say so. Just like some yeah, countries. Oh, that's, fine. that's yeah, that's a little bit of a different issue. But so I see what you're getting at when it comes to the interpretation of um, that proposal. Okay, okay um, go ahead. Tell me the lawyers will have a field day when it comes to big tech. They'll be like, Oh, we're the best loyal ones, you know, we we're we're doing this and that, et cetera. So it comes down to interpretation. Um, what is considered is that word? Yeah. detrimental, you know. Well, um, and bring up a very good point, actually. That is a very good point. Well, thank you. Let me rephrase it, let me phrase it differently in terms of prior restraint. What Trump is doing is, set, is making them qualify for immunity. See, I don't believe you do that. Immunity is, is, an, is an infinite. It's like a right. A right no, he should, no, you're right. It shouldn't be a qualification. You know, I don't know yeah. who, who's... who's uh, Who's advising Trump? I really don't. Yeah. Well, I've gotten people that I know that know Trump. I've already sent them our bill saying, please get this to President Trump immediately. I'm going to put out a press release after the show. I'm going to get anybody I can who has any influence that I know of uh, to get this to, to get our bill because it's a better bill. But let me talk about the, in terms of, of uh, prior restraint. Prior restraint is when it's like a red flag law. We're going to take your guns because we think you might commit a crime in the future, maybe. Okay. So in other words, with, with immunity, with, uh, if you have to qualify for immunity, that means we're going to make you do all this stuff before we're going to give you immunity. I think that's going to be in court forever. I think that's a, that's the wrong way to go. I think immunity should be absolute at first, but make it conditional. So in other words, instead of having them qualify for immunity, they get the immunity. My bill gives them the immunity unless, and they can they they will revoke their own immunity. I think it's going to be a lot easier to prove in court. So I said so. My bill says to big tech, you are immune from anything that anybody posts. You are immune from from any anybody's account, what they do with it. You are immune from anything anybody does with as the result of a search engine, of a result of a search on a search engine. They're immune from that. So you separate. There's a wall of separation, just like the imaginary one between church and state. There's a wall of separation between provider and user, just like the phone company. If you threaten a public official, nobody goes and arrests the phone company. You know, they're immune from that. Same thing here. Yeah. So big tech is immune from anything that you do. You're the user. Okay. Now that immunity is conditional under my bill, which means which says that if big tech touches anything that you post if big tech touches your account in any way however minuscule and that's in language i use if they touch a search with an algorithm or anything they do to a search you know other than the raw number of hits in other words putting the liberal results up first and the conservative ones on page 12 if they do that then their immunity is revoked and they can be sued so anybody that wants to bring a lawsuit against big tech all they have to do is say they touch my account i'm going to sue them now whether your lawsuit is successful depends on the court but it's like big tobacco. You know, this is, this is how big tobacco is brought down with liability lawsuits. So anybody, Trump should be able to sue big tech under the condition that they revoked his account. Well, he should be able to sue for that. But they still should have the immunity unless they do touch his account. This is, my, this is why my approach is the reverse of Trump's approach. So they get the immunity first, and they can keep it so long as they don't touch your account, your posts, or search engine results. Now, does that make sense? Because it makes sense to me. 
ah, I've stumped the panel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, let me go on then because there's, there's more to this. No, 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 no. I, for me to go ahead. throw my little two cents in there. Yep, feel free. That's great. I think, I think it offers an idea of accountability through non-alteration of one's platform to mm-hmm. speech. You know, um, if you inhibit a person – now, this is what I'm thinking. I think back to, like, 1930s, 40s, you know. A person gets up mm-hmm. on a stunt, stump, and he's sitting there, and he's like, oh, you know, I'm going to lower your taxes, or I'm going to do this. And this is just, just random thought. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this and that. If a person comes up and goes, that's my stump, I'm going to take that stump away, et cetera. You know, you can sit there and keep talking, but you can't talk over the people, and people can't see your face and everything. What you're doing is you're inhibiting him. And it's not like it's actually his stump. It's we, we all agree to, in the United States specifically, to have our information targeted. Okay? If you have an Amazon dot or echo in your house that listens to the fact that, oh, I've been thinking about getting a Christmas this year and it'll yeah. automatically feed it to you etc so but if you alter that avenue of free speech and this is one thing that i always talk about too i sit there and i say you know no one should really be censored unless it's intrinsically tasty like if you're saying death to somebody death to something you know la-di-da that is intrinsically causing harm mm-hmm. but you know, if you take away a platform for the idea of, let's say, you know, we shouldn't kill babies. Abortion, for example. I'm not, you know, abortion guy ever. Some of your point, if you can, I, want, I get more I, I need to deal with here. I think, I think your proposal is a wonderful approach because it holds accountability to the big corporations to sit there and not limit the average individual or you know, somebody else, you know, anyone. You know? Well, it, it puts the violation on them. So in other words, they don't have to prove, you know, their, their worth to get immunity protection. But if they violate the condition of their immunity, then it's on them because they're the ones that did it. And so that's, that's why, yeah. I, and, and as opposed to prior restraint, saying you're restrained until you prove that you can get immunity, I'm saying they get the immunity up front. And then they prove that they don't uh, that they violated it. I think it's an opposite approach to it. Let me get the second sentence here. We should require these platforms to increase their efforts to take down unlawful content such as child exploitation and promoting terrorism, while dramatically curtailing their power to arbitrarily restrict lawful speech. How the hell do you do that? I don't. That I don't think you can do that. Because what if they say what if they say your speech is unlawful? Uh, that puts him right back controlling speech again. I think that it violates the very thing he's trying to correct. You can disagree with that. That's me. a toughie. Feel free. <laughs> what, what, what's that? Well, let's go through it again. He said we should require these platforms to increase their efforts to take down unlawful content. Why? Yeah, what is unlawful? Well, yeah, that's the great. Well, here, well, let's say the big one, child pornography, Okay. So child pornography, we should increase efforts of, of big tech to take down child pornography. Well, there's no. already laws against child pornography. Exactly. That's my point. That's the point I was going to make. It's not the responsibility of big tech to be law enforcement. Why? Because we have law Very enforcement. True. There is laws you don't have to make something illegal twice. 
child pornography, pornography, obscenity are already illegal. They are already the jurisdiction of the federal government, the state governments, and local governments. Local governments can arrest a child pornographer, and I hope they do. <laughs> you know, so I'm saying, but in saying that, but uh, in saying that, big tech has no business taking down what would be illegal content. I don't want to give them the power of law enforcement. That's what I'm saying. I'm not pro, you know, these, these obscenities and things like that, but I'm saying that obscenity laws, pornography laws, child pornography laws already exist. They already have an enforcement mechanism. They already have a court mechanism. They already have a conviction mechanism. They already have an incarceration mechanism. So you don't have big tech do it. Big tech's not law enforcement. I don't want them making the judgment of what's lawful and what's terrorism. I don't want them making the judgment. So should it, would illegal stuff be yeah. post, you know, until law enforcement takes it down? Yes. Don't look at it. You know, that's your choice as the user. If someone posts something illegal, just like if someone puts something uh, wherever they post, they put up posters around town of child pornography. A, don't look at them. B, call the police. That's up to them to enforce the law. So this is a bad you know, one big thing I take about what's the. Oh, no, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. Well, it puts big tech right back where they are, deciding what's lawful, what's terrorism, and what's pornography, and what's obscene. That's not their business. They have their job, they only have one job. And that's to provide a service. And that service they provide is social media and search engines. That's, that's interactive computer service. That is all their job. They do that, they keep their immunity. They do anything else, they lose their immunity. This just confuses the issue. I think it's a huge mistake. Comment? I sit there and I think, I think about how partisan the FBI is, for example. You know, um, I think about how, how deep state and partisan um, these federal agencies are. And mm-hmm. um, I'm not saying create another federal agency. I'm just saying, me, myself, just the way I look at it, there's going to be so much I'm not going to see what's going on because, me personally, I think there's ulterior motives but I'm not going to see what's going on. Therefore, I'm not going to chase the persecution or prosecution. And it's going to come down to corporations to sit there. And Twitter's a perfect example. Um, before Elon Musk took charge, you know, there was censoring of conservatives. It, it was highly focused, et cetera. The Twitter files proved it all, et cetera. But as it came down to the corporation censoring itself or correcting itself on these issues, maybe pornography or terrorism, et cetera, which it did a terrible job, mind you. Um, you can't necessarily trust it. Well, you can't trust the government either because the FBI didn't say anything. When he had ISIS, al-Shabaab al-Nazra out of Syria making posts on Twitter and everything like, um, you know, this and that, and you got child pedophilia, um, stuff like that on Twitter, the FBI didn't do anything. Neither did Twitter. Yeah, that's a different question. Though. So where, where is that point? judgment? But the thing is, but the jurisdiction for child pornography is with the FBI, is with the Justice Department, is with the state police, is with the local law enforcement. That's where the jurisdiction is. I'll say, see, they already have power over obscenity laws, child pornography, pornography, and things like that. You know, terrorism, anti-terrorism stuff. You know, you, you can't put a terrorist plot online, you know, and, and tell how to do it. I don't even, although I think you could probably, you know, I think the technology to build a nuclear bomb is online. It may be. But the thing is, it's not okay. responsible. No, no, no. I got, I got a quick little you separate big tech. You got to separate big tech as a commercial provider from the FBI, who is a federal law enforcement agency. You've got to make that separation. Now, hear me out. Hear me out on this. Some of, 
sum up your point, and then I want to tell you exactly what the law says now, and then I'll tell you what exactly what my bill says, and then it'll make more sense. We do. We got two more sections to do, and I'll make sure we get them in this in this show today because I think these are really important. So, so finish up your FBI point, please, and then I want to uh, get back to this. This doesn't necessarily go to FBI when it comes to jurisdiction. Okay. Let's say okay. it's the local police department, et cetera. How do right. they know that person through email address, IP, et cetera? And they can't necessarily find that IP right away, and people aren't going to necessarily relay that information because the FBI goes across state borders. Okay. okay. If they're well, not going enforcement. to provide this information, that's an, you know what I mean? Uh, you're talking about how things are enforced, and that's important, but, that's the, but the issue is who who's has jurisdiction over enforcement. So should big tech have jurisdiction, or should the federal, uh, state, and local law enforcement have jurisdiction? Well, if we can get a proper, if we can get something proper, I mean, whether it's no, a no, third no, party, no, no, the, 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 whether it's done effectively or not is a different man. question. I don't want to answer that question. I want to know. I want to answer the question: Who has jurisdiction, big tech or the FBI? Let's make it really simple. Over over uh, pornography, pornography. Right. Who has jurisdiction? Big tech. No, they don't. Uh, they jurisdiction. Don't have jurisdiction over it. Yeah, they don't. No, that's I'm arguing. Just I'm arguing against that. Big tech does not have jurisdiction. Big tech is a commercial provider of services. They can't have jurisdiction over law enforcement. That's my point. Maybe this goes back to your last point too, where they had immunity to the point where alterations or anything comes into play. Right. Or, and that's let's that's say, but the whole purpose. Well, this is this is a really good point. The whole purpose of the immunity. And so they can't make the excuse that they, they have the ability to remove uh, content because they're immune from it. So this is the whole point of making them absolutely immune from what people post. Because they're immune from it, it doesn't affect them. Nothing can be done to big tech for what you post because they have immunity. And they should have immunity from what you post because you're the one posting it. You're the user. The users are responsible for what they post. Big tech is only responsible for providing the service. That's it. Because, and this is how you can take away their law enforcement power, because they're immune from what they post. Let me tell you what the law says right now. So we're looking at Title 47, Section 230, Section C2A. It's, uh, well, C2, C1. Let me go C1 first. No provider of interactive computer services, that's social media and search engines, shall be treated as a publisher or speaker of any information provided by another information content provider. So in other words, the provider... Uh, so the providers are separated from the users. The providers, not a publisher. They're not the Washington Times. Washington Times is subject to libel and slander, but these folks aren't. They're not subject to what's being posted, whereas the, the Washington Times is, sub- is subject to what's being posted because they're a publisher. So we take away, we, take, we separate big tech. We separate them out. They're not a publisher. They're not a speaker. They're, not, uh, they're, not res- they're, they're completely separate from the user, their immunity. And because they're immune, they can't possibly have any law enforcement powers. They can't have any power over what's post because they're, they're, they're separate from it. You, see, does that make you know, sense? it makes sense to the point where the users make the big tech. Okay? If you don't have any participants, okay, let's say I started my own – let's say I started Rumble. Okay? If I don't have people participating with me, my business will go down, et cetera, unless I'm funding out of pocket, et cetera. Um, right. The users provide the content and the voice and the medium of right. the stump that I'm providing for them. Mm-hmm. Now, mean, Rumble, Rumble's, uh, Rumble's different. Rumble's, uh, oh, I guess they are, they are Rumble's social media. So is Rumble responsible 
as a big tech provider for what people put on their videos. Oh, no. shoot. No, they're not. No, no, they're not because the individual no. that provided it provides the content for people to interact with the medium of social media. Right. So that social media. If somebody outlet. puts something illegal on Rumble, if they put child porn on Rumble, is Rumble responsible for that? No, they're not. No, no I so agree. The person who I agree. They're is, not. So that's the same thing. Okay, so Rumble is pretty good about putting things the big tech won't put on. Now let's get to the civil liability. So Title 47, Section 230, uh, to uh, A and B. This is where the problems come in. Okay, so what? Uh, what the what Congress did was they did a double they did a double jeopardy thing here. They said that the providers are not liable for anything anybody posts. They're not they're separate from it. But they also said that they have the power over what people post. This is where the Congress made the mistake. All right, civil liability: no provider or user of an interactive computer service shall be held liable on account of what they really mean is the provider. So no provider is liable for any action voluntary taken in good faith to restrict access to. That's where they get rid of your account or availability of, that's where they shadow ban, right? Material that the provider or user, what's really the provider, considers to be obscene, lewd, lascivious, filthy, excessively violent, harassing, or otherwise objectionable. Whether or not such material is constitutionally protected. So this is the First Amendment exception that is illegal. It cannot be granted. This section of law cannot be granted. And yet the Supreme Court has not overturned it. Idiots. But think about this. Any action, this is what the Congress gave big tech the power to do. This is what makes censorship legal. It makes violating the, the Second Amendment, First Amendment legal in terms of, of the code, not in terms of the, sec, of the First Amendment. And think about this. Any action voluntarily taken in good faith, okay, what does that mean? That means any action, right? Any action taken by big tech, they can say is good it's faith. It's all right? voluntary. So. It's all voluntary. Not in right? good faith or so, not. It's voluntary. It, right. It's deemed up to interpretation. Right. So, well, but again, but all they have to say is, well, we did it in good faith. Oh, okay. So any, this is, this is get out of jail free card, right? So any action taken in good faith to restrict access to or availability of material, that's censorship. That just says they can censor things that people post. Right? Okay. True. So the provider or the mm-hmm. user. Now, if the user finds stuff that they don't like, they can just turn it off. There's no law against that, and they don't affect anybody else. The only, so when the user does something, all that's affected is the user making a decision for themselves. That's why the user doesn't apply here, okay? But with the provider, so in other words, Facebook, if they determine something to be uh, obscene, lewd, lascivious, filthy, excessively violent, harassing, or otherwise objectionable. So if Facebook mm-hmm. acts or Twitter voluntary makes an action that they say is good faith for anything they find otherwise objectionable, in other words, Donald Trump, that's okay according to Section 230. The Congress just said that they can act in good faith to, find, to remove things they find objectionable. There's your censorship. And they made it worse yeah. when they said whether or not such material is constitutionally protected. So what Congress said is that big tech has the power to remove anything they want, say it's in good faith, Remove anything that they object to, whether or not it's constitutionally protected. That is the problem right there. Those two and a half lines that of law. That is the problem. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm okay. literally thinking to myself, yeah. and everyone that's listening right now, he is hitting this right on the head. 
Okay. <laughs> well, thank you. You you are you are getting you are hitting it on that. You know, and I give you complete props. Like just. Well, me you. listening to go go to our yeah. site writeyourlaws.com. This is where you want to go find this because I'm hoping you'll share this. So go to writeyourlaws.com. W r i t e y o u r l a w s. Writeyourlaws.com. Uh, you'll find this bill also the, our, our Center for Citizen Legislation. You'll find it all over my Facebook pages right now. But just go to writeyourlaws.com. Click on legislation on the menu bar. Go to all proposed laws. It's the third one down. Click on that, and this is like the the fourth or fifth bill. It's easy to find, and share it. Now, let me give you the good part. Here's my rewrite. So if you delete the, the, the parts that I just said, you delete those Section 230 sections that give big tech the power to remove anything they find objectionable, whether, you know, in, in, in direct violation of the First Amendment, here's your reform, and it's very simple. So you take out Parts A and B. So Part A, I actually restate a little differently, but I still give them. Excuse me, still give them immunity. I said, no provider of interactive computer services shall be liable for any action, interaction, anything post, any content, or any communications. There's your messenger, right? Uh, from or by any user of interactive computer services. There's your blanket immunity. No provider of interactive and computer too, services. And that goes shall back be to the states also. Any state legislature can take that up. Yeah, they can. Yeah, Florida can take up this bill. In fact, I'd love to. In fact, that's that's my next press release. <laughs> well, I'm going include it in this press release to uh, to Governor DeSantis and everybody else I can. But here's your blanket immunity. Here it is. No provider of interactive computer services shall be liable for any action, interaction, anything post, any content, or any communications from or by any user of interactive computer services. Could I be more explicit? Could that be more blanket no. immunity? Unless you okay, want to good. draw a crayon with pictures. <laughs> so okay so that part's right now here's the key part b any contact any contact excuse me any contact infringement interaction limitation interference or any other touching in any way no matter how minuscule by any provider of interactive computer services that's big tech with any of the following shall void and revoke all civil liability immunity from that provider and the conditions are any and all contents and communications on social media that's on social media any change or arrangement of search engine results beyond the actual raw untouched number of hits would revoke the liability in the part directly above it and they can be sued got it that's got it come in Want to hear it again? Send it to the Florida legislature. I have many times. <laughs> I'll send it again. Well, then the, the contact legislature contact. was sent it to their Congress. That's the state. idea. That's why I created Action Radio. Let me just read this again. Oh, come in. Are you speaking? I can't hear you. I think you forgot to mute him. the phone. So that's why I come. That's why I come. If you get that in your Florida legislature, if that's the the law in the state of Florida, then Florida legislators can tell their Congress people, you know, then you wouldn't really need it because it's it's applying to the – see, for me to send my bill, Oregon, uh, to uh, North Dakota, or to New Mexico, I'm out of place because I don't live in those states. So what I should have to do is just send it to my state legislature 
and say this yeah. needs to be the law in the state of where I live, and then you convey it on to your federal representatives. Exactly. Well, and let me just read this part B again because I may have to – I don't think it's as clear as it could be. I'm trying to think whether I should say that. Well, let me just read it again. See if it makes sense to you. Any contact, infringement, interaction, limitation, interference, or any other touching in any way, no matter how minuscule, by any provider of interactive computer, computer services with any of the following shall void and revoke all civil liability immunity from that provider. Any and all content and communications on social media any account or any account status on social media, any change or arrangement of search engine results beyond the actual raw untouched number of hits. So that's it. That's section B. So they do any of the following. They void their their, uh, civil liability immunity. That's the bill. Let me bring uh, CalMed back, and I'll just have my head to mute him. Hey, dude, you're on the phone. I had to mute you. You're good. You're good. It keeps connecting to my Bluetooth. I was on my headset. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, it keeps connecting to it, right? You know, they, my headset went dead. Um, right. did, I like did you the hear idea. what I read at the second. I really, really do. Holding right. them accountable to the point where no alterations, et cetera, and going to the state legislator, et cetera, and getting it mm-hmm. um, done. Now, did you hear my last part, thing, though? Okay, go ahead. The one thing that I sit there and think about that is how powerful these corporations are now. For example, if you, if you inhibit Amazon Web Services or Google Web Services, et cetera, um, from reporting details of user activity, et cetera, um, mm-hmm. what makes them not go, okay, within certain IPs, and it's easy to do, you give me an afternoon with the right um, access, I can find out all the IPs in Florida and ban Chrome. Okay, That's and so it changes yeah. the dynamic about how they can retaliate. You know, they these these big techs have gotten so big now, and there's been no oversight oh, yeah, because they're, of they're gonna lobby you know section two thirty etc. They're going to lobby against my bill. They're going to say, we have to stop child pornographers. You know, they're going to say exactly what I just, uh, you know, tried to explain logically and legally. Here's a question for her. This is totally off base, and then I want to get back on, on topic here. Um, I'd love to have a, uh, a counter cybersecurity team. So if anybody doxes me or tries to cancel me or things like that, my own computer team would go after and find out who the doxers are and we out them. Can that be done? It could be done. It could be done. Okay, good. Um, Contact me. They're Contact called white hats. The they're called white hats. White so hats. So they're like reverse okay. hackers for the most part. I need a I need a white hat team. Okay. Uh, are they commercially available, or is this clandestinely done, or how do I find a white hat team? They are actually commercially available. Um, okay. For example, you know the Trump, you know the guy that Trump hired for Arizona for Maricopa County, um, the Cyber Ninjas, something like that. Oh yeah, I think that's what it was. They, so they, they are white hat uh, cybersecurity experts. So they are oh. essentially white hat experts, uh, hackers. Okay. I want to reverse hack the, the people that would hack me or, or go after me uh, when the show gets to be massive, which it will be. Which is, cause I, but I had to break through my own censorship. <laughs> All right. So did you understand part B, that last part that I read about the, uh, the conditions? Did you get yeah. that? Or yes, I did. Okay, good. All right. 
let's go into Trump's. I got I got fourth, fifth, and a small paragraph next. So back to Trump's speech from last night. He says fourth. We need to break up the entire toxic censorship industry that has arisen under the false guise of tracking. It should be guise, G-U-I-S-E. They misspelled it. False guise of tackling so-called mis- and disinformation. The federal government should immediately stop funding all nonprofits and academic programs that support this authoritarian project. That's an interesting idea. The federal government should definitely cut back on the funding. That's not part of my bill. If he wants to do that, that's fine. But when he says we need to break up the, uh, the entire toxic censorship industry, my bill already does that. He's talking antitrust. I don't want to do that. I don't think you need to have antitrust if you have conditional liability. I don't think you need to do that. This is where I'm saying he's creating an entire bureaucracy, agency, a new set of antitrust laws, and a whole bunch of stuff he doesn't need. If you just make, uh, if you give big tech liability and make it conditional on not touching the user, you're done. You don't need an entire you know, antitrust division. Comments? No? I guess you agree. Okay. The next part, the federal government should immediately stop funding all nonprofits and academic programs that support this authoritarian project. I think the federal government should immediately stop funding nonprofits and academic programs. It's not their business. Why would you fund a nonprofit? Sorry, I was muted. Okay, why would you fund a nonprofit with taxpayer dollars? Why would you fund NPR? Why would the federal government – the federal government has no constitutional authority to fund projects like that, non, nonprofit. It, has no, it actually has no uh, federal uh, constitutional jurisdiction to fund academic programs. Anything they give to colleges is unconstitutional. Why is the federal government giving any money to nonprofits and academic programs? That way they can pick and choose. Well, if they're going to do it, why don't they give it to us? Because I'm not a nonprofit. When it comes to like NPR and stuff like that, I think also it comes down to um, influence, even across uh, well, the country. Yeah, it's True. propaganda, True. and it, and they saying. do it, and they attract listeners by subsidizing the fact that big uh, that NPR doesn't have to do commercials like commercial radio. So they're actually uh, they're actually creating a monopoly of lower commercial need radio because they're publicly they're taxpayer funded. But let's get back to the basic question. Should the government – this is a yes or no question, then i got a little bit more to do. Should the government be funding nonprofits and academic programs, yes or no? <laughs> he said with a grin. Some. No, they should. No, no. Okay. I got some and I got no. Pianchi, go first. Why no? Should they be funding a nonprofit? Is I that what no. you're saying? Yeah, should they fund nonprofits and academic programs? No. See, Trump just wants they to should stop not funding. fund nonprofits. Nonprofits are nonprofits because they allow people to that's interested in it and they care about it to contribute to it and be able to write it off against their tax. So it'd be oxymoron. Yep. So they should government should be funding any nonprofit or any academic program. Academic programs well, have to stand on in the market. Now, here's here's where I chime in. Um, please, one of the big stories do. that broke the other day was uh, uh, nuclear fission. Okay, mm-hmm. right. That was more likely government sponsored, for the most part. And nuclear fission going into the future is going to be the cat's meow. I mean, if we can if we can achieve stable nuclear fission, we have a source of energy. In fact, majority of the time, mankind has always fought over resources. 
Now we've reached this point where we're fighting over energy. We fight over oil, okay, Iraq, Iran, Libya, you know, even Russia, everything like that. We're we're fighting over energy output. But if we have unlimited energy output access, it changes the whole dynamic. But that's a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. We've been doing it for six years, trying to achieve a result out of it. Well, here's the difference between a government research program. The government has government labs. Government can do government research. But why would you fund uh, an energy project when we have energy companies? You're giving them a, a, you're subsidizing energy companies that aren't doing research and development. It's up to them. In a free market, the companies now you can give the companies tax breaks. You can do all kinds of things. You know, incentives to do uh, to do research on energy. But why would you have energy companies and then pay for uh, college academic programs? That's how we got the. That's the whole connection with big pharma. Big Pharma, you know, doesn't have any responsibility for research and development because big government health, Dr. Fascist, is, is paying for all the academic programs with our taxpayer dollars. Those academic programs give the information to Big Pharma. Big Pharma has no R&D cost. They make these products. They have no distribution cost. They have no cost at all um, because the taxpayers are paying for the whole COVID vaccine thing. Operation Warped. Operation Warped. Right, exactly. But they get the profits yeah. from it. So why would you subsidize energy companies by giving the profits while funding an academic program somewhere else? That makes no sense. Let them fund their own research. Well, you got to use what you can get, and if you can find a solution to alleviate, let's say, a limited resource, you know, I mean, these are academic research projects. You know, they yeah, they but, but hold promise but, but they, on an end result. Benefit a corporation. Yeah, if they benefit a corporation, they need to be done by the corporation. Let me let me give you some more stuff here. We're running out of time. Uh, here's another one. He says, if any university, <clears throat> if any U.S. university uh, is discovered to have been engaged in censorship activities or election interferences in the past, oh, that's interesting, such as flagging in social media content for removal or blacklisting, those universities should lose federal research dollars and federal student loan support for a period of five years and maybe more. Well, I wouldn't fund them in the first place. Again, you've got to get the government out of academia. We have no business funding leftist. What the government funds, the government directs, and that, that, that makes it political. Universities should be free to study what they want. Yes or no, one of the big reasons. One of the big reasons why the cost of higher education outside of high school, uh, college, university, et cetera, is because of government intervention. That says um, – well, the student program either. On, but I also sit there and say, too, the fact that um, the inhibiting of free speech offers no dialogue and debate. Therefore, you can never come to a conclusion, only more partisanship. So. Well, I think no. yeah. you're, you're, there are different ways of doing these things. Just, oh, I think you left. All right. This is this, you know, arguing how it should be done is different than arguing whether it should be done. I'm only arguing whether it should be done. You know, in other words, if uh, if an energy company wants to research nuclear fission, go for it. Good for them. But I don't like the paying colleges all kinds of billions of dollars in corrupt research grants. It's like climate change grants. Why are we funding? Why is the government funding climate change grants? First of all, it's bogus science anyway. But I don't want them doing that. Let the universities fund their own research or give them. Uh, you know, let corporations sponsor it. Well, maybe that's a bad thing, too. We gotta, i got to think this through. Um, I'm getting, I, I don't want to get caught up in this one too much, but it's an interesting topic of funding. Um, and people say, well, it's the greater good. We should do it. We need the knowledge. Okay, yeah, but how do we do it? That's the question. All right. Then he says, we should also enact new laws laying out clear criminal penalties for federal bureaucrats who partner with private entities 
that'd be big tech, to do an end run around the Constitution and deprived Americans of their first, fourth, and fifth amendment rights. This I agree with, but the way that Congress has written the law, they actually gave an exemption to the First Amendment in law, which they are not empowered to do. This is an easy one. Pianchi, what do you think? I agree with this one. It's just you and me. I agree, Al. Okay. Yeah, uh, Cal, I just had to leave, which is fine. Well, let's get the last little bit here. And once you lose those elections, this is an, uh, an, oh, here we go. Uh, I'm just do the sentence again. We should also enact new laws laying out clear criminal penalties for federal bureaucrats who partner with private entities to do an end run around the Constitution and deprive Americans of their first, fourth, and fifth amendment rights. In other words, deprive them of their vote. And once you lose those elections, and once you lose your borders like we have, you no longer have a country. Further, furthermore, to confront the problems of major platforms being infiltrated by legions of former deep staters and intelligence officials, there should be a seven-year cooling-off period before any employee of the FBI, CIA, NSA, DNI, DHS, or DOD is allowed to take a job at a company possessing vast quantities of U.S. user data. That makes sense. I can go along with that. Sounds pretty good. Now, let me get the last one. Fifth, the time has come. The time has finally come for Congress to pass a digital bill of rights. Oh, this is interesting. This should include a right to, to uh, digital due process. In other words, government officials should need a court order to take down online content. Well, that's just basic free speech rights. That's First Amendment actually covers that. Uh, not send information requests such as the FBI was sending to Twitter. Well, that's, that's just <laughs> – that's it's criminal activity by the feds. You can arrest them for that. For, that's, already, that's already on the book. Furthermore, when users of big online platforms have their content or accounts removed, uh, uh, shadow banned, or otherwise restricted, no matter what they use, they should have the right to be informed that it is happening. No, it shouldn't happen. <laughs> My bill already covers that. The right to a specific explanation of the reason why and the right to a timely appeal. No, you don't need that because if, if once they violate your, uh, your account or your postings, or the search engine results, they're subject to liability. They're subject to a lawsuit. So you don't need that part. And then he says, in addition, to, in addition, all users over the age of 18 should have the right to opt out of content moderation and curation entirely and receive an unmanipulated stream of information if they so choose. Well, yeah, once you're 18, you're an adult. You can't be, once you're over 18, you should not be restricted at all. But that's the First Amendment issue. That's already covered. So he's trying to, he's trying to cover things that are already covered. What he should do is say whether they're already covered in law. These are First Amendment violations that we're going to prosecute. That's what he should say, that we're going to make a new law to do what the First Amendment already does. Pianchi? Well, I would have to read that one and think about it. Okay. I've got it on my Facebook page. Uh, I'll post it again at the Action It's Actually, I think it's at the Action Radio Group. So for those that are listening, the Action Radio Group is a public forum. You have to join to comment, but you can certainly read everything because everything there is public. I post Trump's speech, or you get it on Rumble, you can listen to it. I'm just taking it verbatim from what he said. I just got a transcript. In the last paragraph, we're almost done. This is great. He says, the fight for free speech is a matter of victory or death for America. I agree. And for the survival of Western civilization itself. I agree. When I am president, this whole rotten system of censorship and information control will be ripped out of the system at large. There won't be anything left. By restoring free speech, uh, we'll be, we'll begin to reclaim our democracy and save our nation. Well, I want to reclaim the republic. And I'm not, I don't want to wait for 2024 for this. We've got a bill right now that does it. But basically, I agree with what he's doing, with the exception that my bill is better than his bills, <laughs> quite frankly. Jackie, last word? 
Well, you got to get a state legislature to get it to Trump. Well, actually, I've got a lot of uh, – well, I've got state legislators. I've got a uh, member of Congress I know, actually a couple of them. Uh, I've got uh, some folks in D.C. Uh, I've got some different people around the country. There's, there's people I know that know Trump, uh, but they're not telling okay. you. <laughs> they need to send it to them. All right, so sum up on the week. Anything uh, – That's anything about it for me. Okay. Yeah, I think I've covered it too. All right, sir, let's do it again Monday. Have a good weekend. I'll see you next All right, week. talk to you later. All right, sounds good. So this has been – I'm going to try to do this too. I'm going to get my calendar out, see if I can go over, let's go over the week's events just to let you know what happened. Uh, what did we do Monday? Monday was fascinating. 